So we got LED headlights that have to be have built-in heaters in them in, in wintry environments, otherwise they'll ice up. <laughs> right, right. We have because to have electric vehicles design. with some sort sound. of auditory uh, yeah. sound being generated, so people don't get. You sound like a Jetson car. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I wanted that. I was thinking that where I could just press that little button. It goes, you know, that noise that it makes. Perfect. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in. Embrace yourself. It doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps, this show is for you. Josh, Tammy, Wendy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about temperatures, low temperatures. (laughs) Temperatures I would like to have here. (laughs) That's why you got to join on the live show or the recording or however we do it around here. Hey, I'm Josh, and uh, this week we've got a big recall notice for a Jeep you might have as well as the new MPG numbers for the 392 Wrangler. We also pick up where we left off a couple episodes back with our diagnosing and fixing TJ oil leaks. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Howdy, it's Wendy, and today I'm checking my list twice. Uh Uh-oh. I hope I'm not on it. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Tammy, a.k.a. Jeep Mama, and on Jeep Life, my top three Jeep World pet peeves. And I'm Tony, and we'll be talking to Randy of Not a Rubicon Productions about GMRS Radio. I have to say that slowly because I mess it up every time I try to say it fast. Mm-hmm. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's this week in Jeep. Well, this week in Jeep, we've got some bad news to start the show off with. Jeep is recalling over forty, well, just about forty-three thousand Wranglers and Gladiators, which have a manual transmission. That's going to be a big one, folks. Jeep has issued a recall for just under 43,000 2018 through 2021 Wrangler and 2020 through 2021 Gladiator vehicles with manual transmissions due to a pressure plate problem in the clutch assembly. The clutch pressure plate, which transfers power from the engine to the clutch, can overheat as a result of friction and then fracture, ultimately leading to the possibility of the transmission case cracking and expelling heated debris. Think flying molten shrapnel. Yeah, this oh could cause fires and injury, <laughs> not to mention a loss of power to the vehicle, which would obviously suck. Now, Jeep said in a filing with the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or the NHTSA, or NHTSA, as some people are calling it, this isn't the result of a faulty part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rather, it's a design issue and will be remedied with updated software to reduce engine wow. torque when the clutch assembly's temperature rises too high. Let <laughs> me repeat that. It's going to be updated with software to reduce engine torque when the clutch assembly's temperature reaches too high. So if the problem develops in one of the affected trucks, drivers may smell a burnt odor uh, odor before it fails. So when you're really putting that clutch to work when, say, gee, I don't know, like when being used off-road as it was allegedly, you know, if not intended to do, (laughs) one could imagine the clutch getting hot. No, I for one have smelt many a clutch on the trail in front of me as the person in the Jeep ahead is on and off the pedal feathering the power to hold a line. Seems like that would be the most inopportune time for the computer to suddenly start bleeding off torque for you to keep that pressure plate from smoking. Oops, smell it already? Well, that means it's about to fail. Good job, designers! Now, the automaker also said that it's aware of one accident and no injuries as a result of the faulty parts. Again, 
faulty parts, not a design issue. Okay, okay, mm. whatever, people. Jeep Wrangler and Gladiator owners from those model years can check the NHTSA recalls website to see if their vehicle is included. We will, of course, have that link for you in the show notes of this episode at jeeptalkshow.com. It sounds like to me that, uh, and I don't think they are, they should <laughs> they should contact Center Force for some decent yeah. clutches. Right? Yeah, really. That's right? exactly what they should do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Put in, put in the heavy-duty uh, you know, flywheels so it helps you uh, get over the rocks because you have that additional mass. Man, that was, the, that was probably one of the most interesting interviews that I did about a week after I changed the, the clutch pressure plate <laughs> and throw out bearing in my wife's 2003 Wrangler. Oh, man. And it, guy so, was, the guy was like, oh, you should have called us. We could have helped you out. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so I, I think what's to be noted here is they think a software program is going to fix the problem. It doesn't fix That's it. what they think. It, I know, but well, it does fix it. But but as Josh was alluding well, to, it doesn't. It really it's not directly addressing the issue. It no, is, it's not. It is it's, handicapping your Jeep so things don't blow up. I mean, why don't we just put a, one of those uh, explosive blankets like they use on dragsters uh, around the <laughs> transmission housing? I mean, the bell housing, you know, to keep everybody safe. I understand you don't want shrapnel going through there, and if you're if you're looking at a recall where people have to come in and you got to pull the transmission out and replace it with another clutch and pressure plate and all the rest of that stuff, it's that's expensive. damned expensive. Yeah, no, I get so, it. I, this is definitely a cost-saving measure. Big time. Uh, but I just yeah. don't think it's the right fix. Wendy? No, I, I don't think it is. I, I think it's just a little Band-Aid, and I think some little excuse me, dweeb in the engineering department said, hey, we can, let's save money and do this instead. They don't go off-road that often on these Jeep, with these Jeeps, do they? Yeah. Yeah, was, the engineers are just like, oh, well, here's how we fix it. Here's our brand new clutch assembly that we have re-engineered that's going to make this all better. And, and then, you know, the, the you know, like as you said, the dweebs uh, with the pocket oh, protectors and you know, all that and the calculators, they, they go and say, well, that might, that's going to cost an awful lot. And, and so they're <laughs> like, no, we, we got to come up with a better solution. Uh, that's got to you know, be a, a lot, a lot less. And, and so here we go. Uh, they plug it in with a USB port and, and update your computer software. Okay. And Man, this, <laughs> now, good luck climbing that hill you did last summer. It's not yeah, going to happen. This, uh, this reeks, of the uh, the issues they were having with uh, the infotainment center, you know that you could hack into and mm. <laughs> and uh, and cut power to the uh, the uh, modern day Cherokee. It's just I don't know computers. I love computers. I work with computers, but man, they seem to be really scary in automobiles. Yeah, I, I man, it, it's getting to be a little bit too much. I, I am I am tired of the everything by wire. Uh, it just you know. I get it, you know, cost savings and, and fuel economy and weight. Well, and I think all that's it. Stuff. It's the fuel economy. That's the real reason why they're doing it. Honestly, I think that's the driving force yeah. behind a lot of this computerization is because the, the uh, you know, mechanical version of that is just going to weigh too much, uh, as it were, because we need to have this 42 mile per gallon Jeep because the EPA says so. The Ra- Jeep Wrangler uh, Rubicon <laughs> 392 miles per gallon ratings are worse than a Lamborghini. Well, who cares, right? Now, I'm going to go way out on a limb here and take a wild-ass guess and say that I'm pretty sure that nobody, if they are able to afford it, is buying a Wrangler 392 for the MPGs. Yeah, for yeah, that no. matter, I seriously doubt anybody considering the pricey V8-powered Wrangler is even remotely interested in such things. 
Still, its official fuel economy ratings from the EPA, speaking of which, uh, came out this week and remind me of the numbers that I see out of my XJs. <laughs> Quite a bit older. <laughs> now, for the 70 some $75,000 V8 Wrangler, you can expect to get a whopping 13 miles per gallon city wow. and 17 miles per gallon highway, resulting in a combined rating of only 14 MPG. I got 13 well, once. <laughs> I, right? I, I think I can get 14 with a good tailwind heading downhill. You know? Well, it's definitely no Prius, right? Oh, naturally. Yeah. Now, I just couldn't help myself from doing a few comparisons starting with other wranglers now if you want to trade gasoline for diesel well i wouldn't blame yes. you there the three liter turbocharged eco diesel does far better with a 23 combined mpg rating with 26 miles per gallon on the highway horsepower is certainly down compared to the v8 hemi but the diesel's torque is comparable at 442 foot pound versus 470 with the v8 not too shabby there. Now we go stepping back into the gas realm. The turbocharged 2-liter Wrangler is nearly as efficient at 22 combined MPG as the V6 is at 21 MPG combined. These stats are all for the four-door models with automatic transmissions. Now, official ratings for the plug-in hybrid 4XE, as I'm pronouncing it, aren't available mm -hmm. yet. None of those Wranglers will rip up to 60 miles per hour in 4.5 seconds, but the Dodge Challenger SRT 392 will. It packs the same 6.4-liter engine, making 485 horsepower, but its mileage is considerably better at 18 combined MPG at an impressive 24 MPG on the highway. But let's not get all conspiracy theory here on it now because it's engine for engine. I'm sure the aerodynamics and gearing certainly work against the Wrangler. Well, but when it comes to supercars, like we said uh, in the, the top of this, both the Lamborghini Huracan and the insane McLaren 720S are slightly better at the pump. Yeah, who cares, right? You need to step up to bonker hypercars like the Gam Lamborghini Aventador or Bugatti Chiron to do worse. Now, they won't take you rock crawling at Moab, though. So, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Now, comparisons are all fine and dandy. But in the end, who really cares, right? It doesn't matter. If you can afford a V8 Jeep and drive it like one, well, then you can afford the gas card payment that comes with it. I just, for one, I've got five on it the next time we do some burnouts in the drive-thru. Yeah, if we go. <laughs> I, uh, I think we're coming, you know, you mentioned who cares about the gas mileage and the, the, all the other stuff, and, and I agree with you, but there is a, a certain segment of our population that uh, cares about it uh, very deeply, well, and they, they can want go to hop in their Prius and cry themselves to sleep. I, 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 I agree don't. with well, you, Josh, man. But I'm that's not, it's, it's this, this segment I'm talking about is much like the church lady. It, uh, it, they don't care whether you want to do it or not. They're going to legislate you to do it, which may mean that, the end yes. of Jeeps eventually, unless uh, Jeep pulls something out of their uh, MPG ass and comes up with something that uh, can do uh, better um, than what they're doing. I forgot which automaker it was. I want to say it might be Ford or it might be Chevrolet. I know it's one of the big three uh, said that by 2030 or 2025, I mean, it's not that far away. I thought it you was 2036. Maybe, okay, whatever it is, yeah, they're not Dodge. going to give you the option to buy a gasoline-powered vehicle. Their entire lineup yeah. will be yeah. electrified completely. I think that was and Dodge, so wasn't it? Didn't we read that was Dodge that said that? Like I said, I don't know. It's one of the big three. I don't, so I don't know uh, which one, uh, but I, I heard this news earlier in the week, and I'm just like, oh, God. Yeah, so you're right, Tony. I mean, they're, they're basically legislating the, the, the way – uh, out of your choices, out of your options. You're not going to have the option of a gasoline-powered car in 30 years. It's going to go away. And, and so, you know, is Jeep going to be the one that maybe stays? Is the V8 392 going to be one of those, you know, the last true Jeep? Man, I don't know. 
Uh, we've got a few years to kind of figure some things out, so we're going to see how it goes. As long as we have the freedom to do whatever the hell we want to do and not have to pay swaps ex- for all. extensive taxes <laughs> because you want to, you know, have freedom, uh, you know, I think people ought to be able to, you know, there's going to be lots of uh, internal combustion engines around uh, mm-hmm. for many years. And, and those people that are uh, willing and able to either learn or already know how to rebuild them and use them. So uh, I have no Matt, problem Max with for the, president 2026. I have no problem with <laughs> with electric vehicles. They just need to be able to have the same type of mileage that the internal combustions one uh, combustions have, and some sort of uh, sound system that makes it have a rumble, uh, like a a, v, a nice thirty V eight. Oh man, I heard this a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I, it might be Amazon. Uh, there's there's another. It's a delivery service. It, I don't know. It could be Amazon, but they're they're elect all electric vehicles who are predominantly going in through the neighborhoods and stuff like that have to make a noise uh, when they be between zero and like 30 miles per hour or something like that so that you can hear them because otherwise little johnny goes running down the driveway because he doesn't smack the vehicle crying out loud you know all because you had to have some more cheerios delivered because you didn't want to go to the store so yeah it's yeah it's (laughs) this is the direction we're going people (laughs) Come on. So we got LED headlights that have to be have built-in heaters in them in, in wintry environments, otherwise they'll ice <laughs> up. Right. Right. <laughs> we because have to have electric vehicles exactly. with some sort sound. of auditory uh, yeah. sound being generated, so people don't get. You sound like a Jetson car. It, it's like, it's, yeah, I wanted that. I was thinking that where I could just press that little button. It goes, you know, that noise that it makes. Perfect. That'd be perfect. I mean, I love, I love the future as long as it's going to be cool and have all these neat things. Makes sense and pencils. That's out the problem. Stupid. That's the problem. There's so many things that aren't making sense these no, days. No, they make oh, no sense. Man, I blame the parents. Well, if you've got a news tip or response to any one of the stories, be sure to let us know what you have to say or what you want to be, uh, want, want us to report on. You can do it by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com/contact to find out how. So hey, coming up uh, later, uh, oh, go ahead, Tony. I was just going to say, uh, Wendy. I, I don't ask Josh because Josh isn't on the social media. Uh, Wendy, did you did you catch the thing about uh, Tim Allen and Jay Leno on a yes. uh, episode of uh, Last that. Man Standing? Did, uh, yes. did you, you didn't oh. see the episode though, right? No, I didn't uh, see I the episode. I think it was tonight. I, I, right? I heard. I saw a teaser of uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor uh, having a a a, uh, uh, a little bit of a, uh, a cameo. On Last Man Standing. So yeah, I, I think that was, that was last week's episode. This week they were going to be. I missed this. See, I'm a couple weeks behind. I, I this week they're going to be talking about a, about Jeeps, and they actually oh, had oh. A, like a World 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 War Two era era Jeep with both Tim yeah. and Jay Leno standing there oh, in the, the awesome. Last Man Standing garage. So yeah, uh, that's cool. the uh, the producers of the show are finally coming to their senses. <laughs> <laughs> finally. <laughs> Well, hey, coming up later in the show, we've got a special radio contact segment that, uh, unlike any of the others in the past that we've had before, this time it's going to be with Randy, and we're going to be discussing uh, using GMRS instead of your CB in your Jeep. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Uh, We've got something for everybody at the 4x4 Radio Network. If you haven't been there in a while, go check it out, and be sure to tell your friends, too, because it's not all Jeep stuff over there. We've got the Center Steer podcast the 4x4 podcast, lots of off, uh, great off-road shows. It's all for free. It's all at 4x4radionetwork.com. We're there, too. Don't forget. So we'll see you there. Coming up in Tech Talk, we'll continue our multi-part series in fixing oil leaks in the Jeep Wrangler TJ. 
The last best wrestler. What? Where's the noob? Noob! 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 Hey, noobie! Noobie! Noob Nugget. It's time for Noobie Nuggets. Well, after being cooped up all last year, are you wondering what your wheeling options are this year? Well, while you're deciding what you can and can't do, why not take some time to inventory your collection of tools and accessories inside your Jeep? Now, I've covered topics like this in the past, but this is a new year. Now, let's. this is a great time to make sure that you have your tools and items that you may need for a trail fix before you get out there. Now, as you inventory all those tools and accessories, I put together a list to help out to make sure you haven't walked away with anything or you was used on your buddy's vehicle and didn't get replaced or returned to your toolbox like that 10 millimeter socket. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> one of the things you're going to do is double check your recovery gear bag. Do you have your soft shackles or D-rings, your toe straps? How about your snatch block and gloves? How about a wrench or pliers to get the D-ring apart and off your bumper? What about your toolkit? Is it complete? Did you replace replace those nuts or bolts you used on your buddy's Jeep? Or maybe you need to refill on zip ties or wire again. That 10 millimeter socket, are you sure you actually have it on board? Now, make sure your first aid kit or trauma kit is fully stocked. You need to add wipe sanitizers and masks now. You never know when that COVID carrying buddy is going to show up and start coughing all over the place. I say duct tape a mask to his face. Well, you also need to check your fire extinguisher once a year to make sure it's fully charged. And how about checking the batteries in that flashlight? Now, if your Jeep's been sitting a while while winter blows through, it may be time to check to double check things like attachments for the high lift jack or spare tire or the water and gas cans or your antenna if you're running a CB or ham. These items are held on with brackets and screws that jiggle loose from time to time and may need to be tightened up. R&OR CB antenna is always coming loose no matter what we do. Now, make sure you double check the maps you have on board. Did the kids get bored while you made a repair and use the maps for a fun crayon fest? Or did you run out of mountain money and, you know, the maps were handy? Now, for you city folk, that's toilet paper. So before you go out, make sure you have the maps and GPS tools you need should you find yourself wandering aimlessly and need a little guidance. You also need to check that tire pressure. Altitude, weather, and sitting around can change the pressures. You may, de- you may need to air up a bit before hitting the road. So no matter where your Jeep wheeling takes you this year, make sure you do some checking to verify your equipment you had last year is still there this year. Or take some time to add those things that you needed before you didn't have. Uh Uh-huh. And as always, wheel with a buddy or two. Between all of you, I'm sure someone has a tool you need. Hopefully. (laughs) Josh and Tony, what else would you guys add to the checklist? You know, I'm always uh, the one for for checklists. You know, there's there's a bunch of good pre-wheeling checklists out there. I, there's a, a bunch of uh, websites, popular websites that that have them, where you can download them and print them out, that sort of thing, to where you can actually physically start checking off the boxes. Uh, definitely a fan of that. Uh, one thing, I mean, I, I know you kind of focused on more of the the things, the 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 tactile, the stuff that you can use yes. and feel, touch, Inside. and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if you're one that maybe your Jeep has sat for a couple few months, uh, maybe it's one of those Jeeps that sits on the side of the house, you only pull it out a few times a year type of thing, I'm going to be a big, strong proponent for doing a fluid check. Just a top-to-bottom, bumper-to-bumper yep. set of fluid checks. Um, and one of the top on this list is going to be your brake fluid. And if you're one who stores your Jeep outside, especially during the winter or something like that, um, brake fluid is going to be one of those things that you're often probably going to be, uh, you're going to be, uh, likely swapping out a little bit more often than you would think. 
Uh, for those who don't know, brake fluid is hygroscopic. It means it actually absorbs water from the atmosphere. It's like a sponge, to be honest. And it will lose its hydraulic properties over time. Uh, and it's, it's not as long of a period of time as you might think. And the more uh, severe your temperature changes are, the more humid of an environment that you live in, uh, obviously, the quicker that's going to happen. Uh, so, you know, uh, there are, you know, videos and write-ups out there. Maybe I'll do a tech talk segment on how to do a, bla- a brake bleed. Uh, it's really not that hard and, and uh, uh, to, you know, kind of flush everything out, re- re- basically replenish the system with all fresh brake fluid. You'd be surprised, actually, if it's been a couple few years since you've done a brake flush, uh, actually, how much response your brake system will, will gain after doing something like that. But also, you know, going through all the, the regular stuff, your oil, your differentials, your transfer case. I mean, really just popping that plug and sticking your finger in there just to kind of see where things are at. What, it's going to take you an extra 15 minutes to do all this? Uh, yeah, and in not the end, much. You're going to get a real good idea as to where the Jeep is at. Now, another another good one is the coolant and transmission. Now, ordinarily, these things don't go hand in hand much, but the transmission fluid is actually regulated by the coolant tanks in a lot of cases. So, uh, if your Jeep isn't winterized correctly, uh, these tanks could actually crack or rupture, uh, and it may not be something that you could see. It could happen internally, causing your water and transmission fluid to mix. Which, oh, for those who don't bad. know, this is going <laughs> to result an absolute catastrophic failure for the transmission. Uh, So, uh, yeah, it's definitely something that you want to check. And it's not something you want to just, well, I'm going to let it warm up first. You know, (laughs) see where it's at. Let's go ahead and, and, you know, pop those corks and and see where we're at with some stuff. And and before you really start going through the Jeep. So uh, just one of those things, I thought I'd throw that out there. You know, Wendy, your your checklist is great. Your topics are always top notch. I, I feel bad when I add stuff like this because oh, I make no. it feel like, oh, you know, you forgot the super important thing here. But <laughs> no, <laughs> no, this is perfect. Are you kidding? I love when you add stuff. So I, uh, it seems like I always kind of remember this. I've never had to use it, but uh, it, it comes to mind when I'm uh, somebody asks about uh, something that you need in your uh, oh shit bag. The silicone tape that you can oh, wrap here. around a, a, a burst uh, radiator hose or... Uh, and I, I'm just looking here. I was trying to remember what it was called. And looking at, uh, on uh, on Amazon, there's a plethora of choices now. Uh, before, I think there was like one uh, one of them that, uh, and it was multicolor. You could get them in different colors, you know. So I guess you could color coordinate your leaks under your uh, <laughs> great <laughs> under your hood. Like <laughs> if the, it's red, it's fluid. If it's yeah, okay. yeah. This one yeah. doesn't. This one doesn't sound familiar. But the Tommy Tape Miracle Wrap Self Flushing Silicon Repair. They have a pack of six. I highly recommend these things because it resists heat. I mean, you can seal it. It, it sticks to itself. It's not sticky to you to the feel, but it sticks yeah. to itself, and it can handle the pressure of a ruptured uh, radiator hose. So this might get you down the road far enough to get repair, or perhaps you just finish up the Rubicon and then replace the hose when you get home. I don't know. You can let me know. But I think that's a great thing to have because you never know whenever uh, the, uh, your radiator may spring or leak or your girlfriend that had that recent surgery that might need no. the, uh, the extra well, silicone uh, tape. Honestly, Tony's not that far off base because, really? uh, this, <laughs> yes, this could technically be used in the first aid kit as well. If that's you true. Had well, then, there you go. If you get a pack of six, you can a very three bad three. bleed. I, I would mean, recommend a g- more gentle touch, Josh. It's uh, you know, well, don't get so vigorous. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you need a tourniquet, I'm just saying. <laughs> Nosebleed. <laughs> and, and, and somehow we've gone from a checklist to let's go ahead and plug up leaks. <laughs> Wendy, Wendy's like, oh, what the hell do I ask? 
<laughs> oh, no, it makes it fun. But, you know, seriously, when we talked about what to put in those kits, I think Josh brought up that silicone tape, and it's definitely something that needs to be added to your your kit, for sure. Oh, we've talked about it several times. Did you mention it tonight, Josh? Because I, I was no, looking I it didn't up. Mention it, I didn't mention it tonight. I was kind of going more over the things that you look versus the things yes. to make sure that you have. Um, I, and, and even though the Wendy's list was kind of the opposite of that, I figured I'd just throw my two cents in there. Um, but if you guys are looking for that tape, um, yeah, you can find it on Amazon. You can find it in your part stores. Uh, you can find it uh, just about anywhere. What I like uh, is the... Uh, the, the trade shows, uh, if you go to like, you know, your home and garden show or, you know, a big hot rod show or something like that, usually there's always, you know, a, a couple hundred vendors there selling everything from <laughs> beef jerky to siding, you know, and, and usually there will be a vendor that is selling this kind of stuff. And, and I've picked up a couple of these rolls over the years, uh, from these kind of guys. And honestly, they're, they're cheaper than, uh, than just about anything yeah, anywhere else you go. Uh, and, and this stuff is an absolute miracle. So yeah, I definitely get. It. If you don't have it, get it. If you and get two of them so you can give a roll to your buddy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, do you have a topic or suggestion for newbie nuggets? I'd love to hear from you. For more info, check out my YouTube channel on Jeep Four One One with more tips, tricks, and techniques. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've listened to you guys for free for, I don't know, years now. And I figured I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out. And, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on. Because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little bit calling all rat bastards and if you if you don't know what a rat bastard is well let me tell you that's uh, somebody that listens to the show for free <laughs> yeah of course you can but uh, you can also be, uh, be called a rat bastard you know if you want to become a paid subscriber and uh, support the show financially you can do it really easy it's actually easier now because you can go over to jeeptalkshow.com and in the uh, upper right hand corner or i think it's just at the top of the page on the on a smartphone uh you can see where you can pick uh several different uh valuable uh subscriptions i mean if you want to be a sugar daddy sugar mama it's 100 bucks a year if you want to uh be a friend with benefits it's not what you think uh you can uh, (laughs) you can do that for 39.95 a year and you'll get a uh jeep uh or at least a jeep talk show honor badge saying that you're no longer a rat bastard so uh it's really easy to do and i want to thank uh like uh, i think there was like three folks that r- responded uh to one of these requests to become a paid subscriber they went over there and tried and it wasn't working and they came back and said hey i i tried i wanted to and uh, but it wasn't working so thank you very much for letting us know i've uh, i got that fixed and uh, now it's working great. So just go to jeeptalkshow.com and become a paid subscriber today. And of course, you can always call yourself a rat bastard. I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, it's February. And with February comes that one day of the year that us guys love so much that we can make googly eyes and say sweet things to the person we love the most. No, I'm not talking about Valentine's Day. I'm talking about Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, can't wait for that to happen. But that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you that it's been a real boring month. Uh, There hasn't been much wheeling going on. 
And uh, the Jeep's in tip-top shape, so I haven't been doing too much maintenance on it either. So I'm, I'm really bored. I'm so bored that I took up fencing. Oh, God. Yeah, my neighbors say if I don't put it back, they're going to call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. Just consider the splinters alone, the danger of fencing <laughs> with Nikki G. Two o'clock in the morning, tinfoil yeah. hat. <laughs> She's pulling yes. up fence boards. <laughs> Man. So my imagination gets a little better at me sometimes. So I'm going to uh, visit Amazon.com and see if I can find a, a book of jokes because Nikki G has 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 read the last one and he's making up his own jokes now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're always fun though. Never uh, never disappoint. Never a dull one. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, they say. always disappoint, yeah. but that's that's part of the charm. <laughs> <laughs> You got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! On episode 473, we began a multi-part series on how to fix the most common oil leaks typically found on one of America's most iconic Jeeps, the 1997-2006 Jeep Wrangler TJ. Now, once again, I want to give credit where credit is due and thank Brent P. from Birmingham, Alabama for the inspiration behind this multi-part series. Okay, just to recap real quick, the most common oil gasket failures on the TJ are going to be the valve cover gasket, rear main seal, oil filter adapter, O-ring set, and lastly, the oil pan gasket. In the last episode, we loosely went over some of the things you're going to want to consider when swapping out a leaky valve valve cover gasket. Now, this isn't going to be a step-by-step guide. You'll notice uh, last week I didn't, or on that last episode, I didn't walk you through the procedure. Just gave you kind of a heads up of what to expect and a couple tips along the way to make things easier on you letting you decide if this is something that you can actually do or not, or that you want to tackle. Now, following suit and diving down to the opposite side of the engine, we're going to, uh, going to address the oil pan gasket. This is a big one in the sense that it is a big-ass gasket, arguably one of the largest in the inline 6.4 liter. But doing this job can also be a big pain in the butt. Stock Jeeps may not have enough clearance to fully remove the oil pan from the vehicle, and you need a good amount of axle droop to get the pan down far enough to comfortably work on it or to remove it altogether. Well, why do I need to worry about taking the pan all the way off again? One might ask. And I'm glad that you did, because this is where the while you're in there really comes into play. Now, technically, no. You don't have to pull the pan all the way off to replace the gasket. You simply pull the old gasket off the lip of the pan and snake it around the oil pump pickup and off into the trash. Now, here's where the gasket surface prep may become a little difficult. Now, I gave you some tips in the first part of this series on how to properly prep a gasket service. The same applies here. And, of course, having plenty of room to work on, well, work with, makes this part that much easier. It also gives you a chance to wipe things down and the engine and a chance to, and the engine drain out all those little drips and drops of oil that make working under an open engine oh so much fun. Have you ever had the joy of engine oil dropping perfectly right into your ear hole? No. (laughs) Well, because once you have the oil pan off, you will have access to the entire bottom end of the motor. But that's not what we're in there for. At least, let's not hope not. At least, hope not. Now, of course, a visual inspection of everything would be in order as always. You're going to be looking for any cracks, any shiny metal or loose hardware. Pay special close attention to the bottom of the pistons, too, looking for stress fractures along the piston skirts. And while you're in there, you might as well replace the oil pump and, of course, the rear main seal. Now, I know I've said it before, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if that oil pump has 100,000 miles on it, well, it may be operating on borrowed time. Sure, you'll hear stories of them going for a quarter million miles, but do you want to be the one that takes that chance? 
The last thing you want to do is put all this back together, put all the back to, and 500 miles down the road, uh, you're going to have to replace it because you didn't want to spend another 100 bucks. Trust me. Mm-hmm. I know that feeling. And it sucks more than, more than some great big sucking thing. It's really just two bolts, less than 100 bucks for a really good one, and a lot of peace of mind. Tony and I each, I believe, are running the Melling brand oil pumps on our engines and have not had any issues that I'm aware of. Now, I think that they have a performance option even for those who are doing stroker builds, but, you know, that's up to you. Now, the oil pump uses a small, asymmetrical, thin gasket that you will need to make sure is completely removed from the mating surface before installing the replacement. It's basically just a piece of cardboard, so it's going to be really easy to uh, miss some that's left behind, and it will be even easier to bend or fold the new one, so be very careful. Now, the rear main seal is a whole nother story. This is a critical part of the engine. As its name suggests, this is the main seal, keeping all that oil pressure from leaking out between the back of the motor and the front of the transmission. Shops are going to charge you in excess of $600 to swap out this two-piece bracelet-sized $20 gasket in the back of the motor. Well, and for good reason. They're a pain in the butt to get to. Hence, the oil pan removal and all the work to get that done, which, as you have heard in recent episodes, may involve undoing the shocks, sway bars, pops of the drag link, and even the springs, all to get the axle to droop far enough away from the engine to give you the clearance that you need. A shop is going to charge accordingly. Then there's that task of actually removing the upper half of the rear main seal that is pressed into a half-circular channel that you can't touch. Yeah, sounds like fun, right? Well, you're going to have to wait until the next episode to find out just how much fun doing the rear main seal can be on a 4-liter TJ. And as always, mind your safety, and if anything seems outside of your capabilities or beyond the tools that you have, please let a certified professional do the work. Yeah, start uh, collecting those aluminum cans today. 600 bucks, my God. So, Josh, uh, let me or ask more. you... more. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> let me ask you a question. What, uh, what uh, simple device can you use to work on your Jeep or snort cocaine. What? You could you could probably minute. you could probably do it both. It just you know you might want to do the the cocaine first. I have first. a special funnel I, that I use. I thought for- this was a family show. What the heck? <laughs> are, are you new here? Yes. <laughs> uh, we do have ex- we do have an explicit rating, but I this certainly threw me a curveball there, Tony. I I don't know. I well, that's what, I, what that's what I'm here for. You know, I edit edit and throw <laughs> curves so. <laughs> I think we'll find out the answer to that question, at least for the working on the Jeep next week. Yeah, I do have a, a lot to go into detail with with the uh, rear main seal. It's kind of, sort of a, the, the while you're in there along with this oil pan gasket uh, and you know, oil, oil, uh, oil pump. It's just one of those things that you know, you've got to take care of it uh, while it's in there. And since it is one of these, uh, you, I mean, you might be going in there to do the rear main seal. And there probably wasn't anything wrong with the oil pan gasket. Uh, that's oftentimes the case, in fact. Uh, where the rear main seal is going to start leaking before the oil pan gasket were, was. And, you know, I, one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give to anybody doing anything, especially when it comes to something like this, uh, is torque to spec. Can't stress that enough. Because about the, the uh, three seashells, I mean, three O-rings uh, on the oil, fi- oil filter. That's, a, that's another episode. <laughs> like I said, multi-part series. We're going to be covering all this good stuff. I just wanted yeah, to talk about the three seashells again. Yeah, that's I was just, just going to say, that's what Tony's interested in, Josh. So you better put a segment up for that. Yeah. <laughs> Instructional. <laughs> we are doing a little how bit How do you do it? <laughs> how do you do it? And how does it really them? work? <laughs> You gotta be disposable seashells. 
Well, if you have anything to add, maybe you have a question for Tech Talk that doesn't involve seashells, just jump over to <laughs> jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. <laughs> All right, people, let's bring this meeting to order. We've got a new member with us. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, uh, hi, everybody. I'm Sid, and I've been sober for 42 days. Hi, uh, Sid. Sid. Do, do you guys know about the Jeep Talk Show? Oh, come Ooh. on. Get down, Sid. Uh, go have a drink. The Jeep Talk Show. We don't specialize in that kind of recovery. God, I love that one. That's, <laughs> one of my that's fabulous. <laughs> and now it's time for some radio contact. Alrighty, ho, boys and girls, it's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview, and we're doing something a little different tonight for our Radio Comtech segment. Randy is the owner of uh, the Not a Rubicon, a 2012 Jeep Wrangler Sport X. He likes to point out to anyone that will listen that it's not a Rubicon, it's better. <laughs> he also owns the 2006 Wrangler LJ, which is a Rubicon, and uh, I believe it's red. Uh, Randy and the Not a Rubicon uh, have been leading off-road events uh, all over Southern California for the last several years, ranging in size from 20 vehicles to up, uh, up to 175. And you may have seen some of his videos on his YouTube channel, Not a Rubicon Productions, or you may have seen uh, his online TV show, In for Low, on Amazon Prime Video. I'll have to check that out, Randy. In 2020, Randy switched over from CB radio to GMRS for all his off-road, uh, off-roading events. Now, this is perfect. This is perfect for us because this is one of the things I want to try to encourage our listeners to dump that CB radio and get into something that's, that's better, whether it's GMRS, uh, which doesn't really require uh, a license that you have to study for and pass a test. Uh, to uh, uh, or a ham radio license, which you do. I think the GMRS is going to be more uh, friendly uh, for a, a lot more people uh, to be able to use. So I'm thinking GMRS, GRMS is a good way to go. Well, thanks for having me. So on the the GMRS. Well, first off, let's. Uh, I want. Uh, let me ask you about your your uh, your Jeeps. Now the uh, the 2012 uh, Jeep Wrangler Sport X. You say it's better than a Rubicon. Uh, tell me how it's better. Well, I used to tell people it was better because it didn't cost as much as a Rubicon. Oh, but God, yes. <laughs> I lost that argument a long time ago. Uh, it's, uh, I've done some upgrades. It's, uh, you know, it's a rock crawler, and uh, it does everything a Rubicon can do, and, and it does it better because it's not a Rubicon. <laughs> so do you have lockers in it, front and rear? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Dana 44 uh, Ultimate up front. So did you go, uh, what, what lockers did you go with? Uh, yeah, Eaton. Uh, e-lockers, front and rear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's either the same or similar to what the, the Rubicons use, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, although on the Rubicon, uh, the computer decides when you can and can't turn them off. Oh, I hate uh, You that. don't have the same control. So I can, you know, I've got the S-Pod so I can turn them on and off yep. when I decide I need them and want them instead of when the computer decides. The way the God intended it to be. <laughs> exactly. I am in control. It's also, uh, I didn't mention or uh, should point out, it's a stick shift. It's a manual. Okay which depending on who you ask is either better or not better, but that's an argument for another day. It's Again, it's another level of control. It's another level of complexity as well, but uh, I can see how it can get you into trouble or out of trouble, but that's kind of like lockers and I just have a four-wheel drive in general. <laughs> a winch yeah. can get you in trouble. So, uh, you know, just because you think you can get into something that uh, you couldn't, but uh, the winch will help you get get, get out. So uh, you still using the, 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 the stock transfer case or did you upgrade that? 
No, no. Four to one transfer case. That was one of the first upgrades. Uh, three and a half inch lift. Uh, you know, we've you know, 37 inch tires. It's 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 built pretty well. So uh, now the I believe your wife drives the uh, LJ Rubicon. Have you done anything to it or you just leave it as it is and that's how she drives it? No, it's got about four inches of lift. It's got 35 inch tires, uh, tummy tuck, transfer case. All that is still stock, but it is the Rubicon. So it came with all the, right. the good stuff, the lockers and everything. So it's um, a few steps above stock, but it's uh, and actually she's done just about all the trails that I've done and she's barely learning how to drive it. So. I don't know if that speaks well of her or poorly of me. <laughs> um, so the um, I'm going I'm to get you in trouble here. In your estimation, uh, what do you think? Which one do you think is a better all-around off-road vehicle? Do you think of the the uh, your 2012? Uh, is it a four-door or two-door? It is a four-door. Okay, it's so you, affectionately referred to as the pregnant cow. <laughs> so your JKU, uh, do you do you like it better than the the LJ? Uh, I'm personally an LJ fan, TJ fan, uh, pretty much anything that has the 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 4.0 uh, legendary motor in it because I don't yeah. think that they've made a better motor since then. Yeah. So after driving the the not a Rubicon, the pregnant cow for a few years, and we decided that we wanted to go shopping for a Jeep for the wife, uh, there were really only two requirements. One is it had to be an automatic transmission, and two, it had to be an LJ, um, because we think the TJ, particularly the, the LJ uh, uh, model, is uh, is the best Jeep they ever made. So uh, don't tell anybody, but I think the TJ, the LJ, is a it's better than the JKU. <laughs> well, we agree. Uh, the, to me, the JK interior is is much less like a Jeep. It's more like a uh, a, a passenger vehicle that is not really. It's not. It just doesn't have that Jeep feel to me. And the, and that's one of the right, reasons which why means it's more comfortable. It's yeah, nicer to drive. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on the freeway. Yeah, but it, once you get it on the trail, and like I said, that thing is a pregnant cow. Especially the the four door. You know, it weighs mine weighs about six thousand pounds. And rock crawling that thing is just, it's just a chore. And then the wife jumps in hers and just bebops right over the rocks like it's nothing. <laughs> Here, let me it's, show you it's how it's done. <laughs> That's great. No, there's certainly nothing wrong with a JK or a JKU. It's just my personal preference. My wife uh, has a TJ. So, uh, actually, my wife and, and both daughters have uh, have TJs. Uh, but, uh, yeah, LJ would be really nice. They're just really hard to find. And I bet you LJ Rubicon was even harder to find. It was a, it was like finding a, a unicorn. Uh, <laughs> we've shot for a long time. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> they well, are really rare. Well, this is bad when two Jeepers get to get to talking because that's all they want to talk about is Jeeps. And it's a Jeep show, so I'm sure nobody, nobody minds. But let's talk about GMRS. Now, tell me about your transition between CB and GRS. RMS, and if there's any uh, any painful uh, situations, be sure to uh, let us know about that. Yeah, well, we started out using CBs just like everybody, and uh, you know we lead off-road runs um, for the last few years, and like you mentioned, up to 175 Jeeps is our largest run. And when you've got a string of Jeeps, a hundred or you know, sometimes we'll let in other vehicles, or not all Jeeps. There was a truck or two in there, but when there's a string of vehicles, 175 vehicles long. That's a long way from the front to the back, and we, we had a lot of trouble using CBs. We'd have to put three or four uh, human repeaters along the line to wow. relay back and forth from the front to the back. Um, and a lot of people uh, didn't have CBs, which is hard to believe. And, you know, they're kind of expensive to get into, a couple hundred bucks minimum to get an antenna and a decent little CB radio. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, we started looking for something better. And uh, we looked at ham, and we looked at FRS and GMRS, and uh, it just seemed to make the most sense uh, to go with GMRS for various, multiple reasons. Mm -hmm. um, we can talk about that. Uh, and what we ended up with was a much better range, uh, many, many uh, benefits over CB, uh, but also it's being compatible with uh, the cheaper FRS walkie-talkies that um, a lot of people bring on the trail. Right. So GMRS was really like the perfect solution for us. It did, it, it did everything. It was the most compatible. It was really um, potentially one of the least expensive options, and it's, it's just worked out great. So we've got better range, better compatibility, uh, and in some cases, lower price. So let me, let me back you up a little bit. When you were talking about uh, when you had a long trail of Jeeps that you actually had to have human repeaters, people repeating what, what was being said on the, on the CB channels up front to the people that were towards the back, I would assume. So what kind of issues were you having? Was it just a range issue, and were you using – you know, like five watt or, or four watt output mobile radios with external antennas, or was it like using handhelds? Uh, I, I just want people to understand why there's a range issue. Yeah, it, the, the issues were purely range issues. Um, you know, we're oftentimes out in wide open areas of the desert, but just as often we're going through canyons and hills and mountains and everything between us. And again, with a large group of Jeeps, there can be a lot of things between point A and, you know, the front of the line and the back of the line. We were primarily using, in my Jeep, we had a, a, a small, one of the Midland handheld, uh, I'm sorry, not handheld, um, I forget the model number, it's the all-in-one unit that I know that you don't like, uh, where the whole CB was in the microphone, uh, but it was a full four watts, uh, connected to an exterior antenna, fire stick, uh, and then we had other people usually in the group that also had various brands of uh, full-size CBs also with the uh, full-size antennas on the outside. We even had some people uh, who allegedly had little boxes connected in right. line to give their CBs more power. I don't know the details on that, but they were there. <laughs> and we all had the same range issues. Yeah, um, We were lucky with my five-foot, I, I uh, switched between a five-foot and a three-foot fire stick antenna on the exterior, perfectly tuned SWR, everything dialed in. Mm -hmm. And we were lucky to get a mile or two range most of the time. It was just, so the big issue was range while so, using the CBs. So switching, and also too, with the terrain that you were just talking about, you're going to have issues with uh, rocks and uh, maybe a mountainous terrain. You go around a bend and now you're having to, the radio signal isn't able to, to navigate. It doesn't bend around. It tries to go straight. So that might be causing you some range issues as well. But you weren't seeing that with GR, GMRS, correct? We don't see it as much. Obviously, there are still limitations to any any yeah, radio transmission. Absolutely, yeah. But the difference really was for us has been night and day. Uh, one, because instead of being limited to the 4 watts with the CB, we can go up to 50 watts. Um, but just the, the, the fact that it's – actually, I don't know the technical facts as to why it's so much better, but uh, I assume it's because it's the UHF uh, or an FM. Uh, we really – have not had any range issues since we since we switched. Now we haven't done A and B testing comparing what we had with CB, uh, you know, in the exact same places. But the the issues 
they just went away for us. So, well, the thing we're really getting here is just through your experience, which I think is is what people really need to know and, and makes them feel the most comfortable about what your experience is. So, yeah, we don't need to get into the technical reasons for it, uh, I don't think. So, uh, have you had another large event where you used GMRS uh, instead of CB and then saw that you didn't have to have uh, people repeating the signal back to the people in the back? Yes. Yes, Excellent. we have. <laughs> Excellent. It, so we, what we do is uh, my Jeep at the front, either the wife at the back. Uh, we both have um, uh, larger uh, up to 50-watt radios. Uh, but we've also had some guys uh, being our tail gunners for us at the back with just little handheld FRS radios or the wow. infamously illegal Baofeng radios. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and most of the time, even to the little handhelds, there is no issue. Now, there is more issues sometimes if I'm on my uh, mobile radio and there's a guy with a little handheld, you know, three miles back around a, a mountain and through a canyon, um, there are sometimes issues uh, to the handhelds. But uh, mobile radio to mobile radio, it's yeah. the issues are just almost non-existent. That's great. That had to have been a, a huge relief uh, uh, trying this out and finding that it works so much better than CB. Um, yeah, and we did the transition slowly. We didn't just do it one, you know, overnight. Uh, we started with handhelds, um, FRS radios, and then trying the handheld GMRS radios. And just each step up was better and better and better. And ultimately, we ended up with the uh, full-size mobile radios in mm-hmm. each of our Jeeps. Now, uh, the, what, what is the model that you have in your, your Jeep and in your wife's Jeep? Uh, the wife has the uh, BTEC GMRS 50X1, which is up to... 50 watt GMRS radio. And in my Jeep, I just put in the Ocean or Wuxon, W O X U N, KG 1000G, which is also up to 50 watt. Now, you were mentioning something before we started recording that this is a special uh, GMRS radio, perhaps the only one that has uh, this special feature. What is that feature? The, uh, the Ocean KG 1000G has a removable faceplate. Which and I just did a video on this um, because I think it is the probably the best feature. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the the Ocean the KG one thousand G is the only one with this feature, but the ability to pop off that faceplate and mount it up anywhere and it's really small. It's a couple inches long by an inch or so thick. I mounted mine up above the uh, rear view mirror, and then there's just a little thin Ethernet type wire that runs down to the radio itself which is down, you know, thrown under the seat where I never have to see it. And basically, you've, so I've got all the controls in the faceplate, and then there's some additional uh, microphone controls. So you can really just put the radio anywhere, even though technically the radio is under the seat, but because of that faceplate, you can put that anywhere. And that, to me, is, is the greatest feature because, as you know, there's not a lot of room in, in my Jeep. Even, or, even a pregnant cow, there's not enough, a lot of room for radios. Yeah. <laughs> So that's really, really good. I was looking on Amazon tonight. I, I don't know how my family would feel about it, but I was thinking about putting uh, some uh, GRMS, GRMS radios in everybody's Jeep. Uh, and then that way, I mean, everybody's got a cell phone, but talking on that radio is just so much more convenient. You don't have to dial a number. All you have to do is pick up the microphone. And as long as you're on the same channel, you just start talking and you can listen, you can talk, you can do, it's just, it's just so much better than uh, trying to, to, to use a, a telephone, especially while you're, uh, you know, navigating something and chances would, 
are that it would be in a uh, a bad situation where it's raining. We get hurricanes and stuff down here in southeast Texas. So, uh, you know, you don't want to have to be uh, navigating through tropical storms or, or hurricanes. Uh, and uh, trying to, to work the telephone at the same time. So I really like the idea. So the range was very important to me. If we can uh, talk within uh, uh, five or seven miles of uh, where we are, uh, I, I think that's wonderful and certainly so much better than CB. Um, so it, it certainly sounds like that's what you've experienced. Oh, absolutely. And actually, <laughs> we've done several uh, distance tests. Uh, and and now remember too, you can use a repeaters with the GMRS radios, right. and that's a whole nother level of range. But just if you're just keeping it simple, simplex mode, radio to radio, we easily. I, I don't don't even think twice about saying we get range of six, seven, eight, ten miles between the mobile radios. Well, I mean that's gonna that's gonna take care of the majority of stuff, unless you're really out out in the boons and you got to drive uh, fifty miles to Walmart or something. Um, tell me about the repeaters, because I, I know about repeaters on 2 meters and 70 centimeters on the ham bands. I don't know anything about the, the GMRS repeaters. Um, is that something that's available for anyone to use? or Because I think some of this stuff is business uh, radio. Uh, do you have to be careful what, what repeaters you use? Well, you, so first you do need a GMRS license, mm-hmm. uh, which you get from the FCC. There's no test. You just buy it. I always say it's like buying a fishing license. You go to their website, give them your credit card, and they... Uh, they issue you a GMRS call sign, and that's your license. It's good, it's good for 10 years, and it covers your entire family. So in your case, you would get one GMRS license, and you mentioned you wanted to put radios in your family's vehicles. They're all covered under your license, uh, and 10 years for 70 bucks is not a bad deal. So uh, to use the repeaters, um, they're usually privately owned r- repeaters. I don't know how it works in the ham world, but in the GMRS world, they're privately owned either by just some guy that put up a repeater or the ones that I use most in my area are owned by a couple of uh, ham slash GMRS clubs. Ah, okay. And I I believe technically they operate the exact same way as a ham radio, except they they are easier, they're less complicated because the, I think in the ham world, uh, to put in your offsets, you know, your frequency offsets, you have to know what that offset is. Uh, in the G- uh, GMRS world, the offsets are all standardized. So basically, there is no offset. Uh, there technically there is, but I don't have to worry about it. Right. Um, you all of the GMRS radios have a certain number of channels set aside for repeater use, and you just basically put your radio on the channel that that repeater uses. You may have to enter a tone uh, to activate the repeater, which you have to program into the radio, which is a couple of button clicks. Mm-hmm. And, and then you may need to get permission from the repeater owner uh, to use it. Uh, some you do, some you don't. MyGMRS.com is a great resource to find repeaters in your area nearby where you live or where you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And that will almost always uh, let you know if you need to contact the repeater owner to get uh, permission to use the repeater. Sure. So I would assume that uh, like uh, the ham uh, radio repeaters on 2 meters and 70 centimeters, we're talking about distances depending on the power output of the uh, the repeater and the height of the antenna, anywhere from 20 miles to 50 miles uh, between the, the two people that are communicating. Uh, I normally get far better than that. I've got two repeaters that I use um, most often near where I live. I can hit both of them from my couch. I don't have to get out and stand on the roof or anything. From my couch, (laughs) using one of my little handheld GMRS radios, 
One of them's 32 miles away. That's from me to the repeater. The other one is 72 or 76 miles away. I can hit them both. And then from there, I can talk to people 50, 75 miles in the other direction for, you know, I talk to people hundreds of miles away mm -hmm. using both of these repeaters. So the, um, it's in incredible if you're, if you're within the range of one of those repeaters, your, your, uh, range is just, it's, it's hundreds of miles. It's, so it's kind of amazing. Yeah, it is. That technology is wonderful. And it's it's very similar. It was kind of back in the 80s when uh, this was going on. It actually came from uh, uh, police and fire that uh, started using repeaters. Then the hams uh, started using them as well. Uh, and uh, actually the cell towers that we have now for cell phones is very similar in operation. There's just m many more uh, cell towers than uh, they, they're basically repeaters as well. So um, the the thing I was going to ask you is you were talking about your handheld. What, what do you use for a G? MRS handheld. Uh, I've got the BTEC GMRS V1, which is a five watt handheld. Uh, I also have the Ocean or Wuxin KG805G handheld. They're both great radios. Each one does, you know, there's a couple of differences in them. Uh, they're, they're both very good. And, and both of those are able to hit, again, from my living room couch inside the house, those repeaters you know, 30 and 70 miles away. Well, that's kind of the blessing of mountains, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are both. Yeah, you got to be clear. They they are, I need to be clear, they are both on top of very high mountains. So, you know, almost line of sight from where I am. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, if they were in a canyon or something, they uh, wouldn't be as, as reachable. We had a, uh, we used to have a two-meter repeater here in the Houston area that was on uh, one of the, the TV towers at, at like 1,800 feet. And oh my God, I think that thing probably put out a, a watt and you could hear it for, you know, uh, uh, 90 miles. So it was, it was just amazing. Height does such a wonderful thing uh, for, uh, for tra radio transmission. It does. We, and, uh, you know, we did a video a while back with a range test using, uh, testing the, one of the, uh, the Wuxin, uh radio, the KG-1000G. And uh, I sent uh, the guy in that, that bought it in his Jeep. 26 miles away to the top of a mountain and uh, I was 26 miles away with my handheld books and radio ocean radio and uh, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to reach him or not but I he was at the top of a mountain that I could literally look at and not only could we talk to each other but the signal strength was like full strength even from my little five watt handheld he was hearing me at full strength so it, it's just amazing the, it's so much yeah. fun you know just doing especially exp experimenting and and having successes like that uh the, unless you're on cb it's i don't think it's quite well and i was just going to mention that with uh with the fm modulation on the uhf frequencies not only do you not have to worry about um uh, skip or dx coming in and destroying your ability to to hear uh the uh am on cb or even sideband which is a form of am uh, is very susceptible to electrical noise, and that means thunderstorms as well. And you may hear the crackle of lightning on on FM, but it's not nearly as pronounced as it is on AM radios. So you're you're dealing when you when you use a GMRS uh, radio at UHF frequencies, you're getting rid of all the other signals that might be coming in from other places around the country or the world. And it's FM, so it's going to be a lot cleaner, just like it is AM radio on your broadcast uh, or your good time radio in your Jeep or the FM radio stations. Everybody listens to the FM because it's so much cleaner and nicer. We're talking about the same thing here. It's just how the how the uh, information is encoded on the, 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 the transmitted signal. 
So, yeah. um, I'm sorry, I was, I was also going to mention sure. that uh, with the CB radio, you have the additional issue of it in my area, at least in Southern California. Uh, it's just oversaturated. No matter what channel oh, you really? go to, there's a hundred people talking, um, and and you, it's just it's oversaturated. Mm -hmm. uh, today, at least as of now, that's not the case with GMRS, and most areas are just completely dead and very little traffic. Of course, that's going to change over time, but that's just another issue uh, with CB radio that just limits your range and just makes it less desirable. Yeah, well, it's been around for so long, and. Uh, and a lot of people, that's what they know. And that's one of the reasons why we're here talking about this tonight, because we're trying to let our listeners know, and I think you are too on your YouTube channel, uh, let the people know that there is a better alternative that uh, gives better range and sounds better. And my God, you can actually use the squelch on one of these things where it's very difficult to do on a CB and, right. and still be able to hear the person that's calling you. <laughs> So I was going to ask you, uh, rolling you back towards that 175 column of Jeeps, um, do you, you don't run 50 watts all the time, do you, when you're on one of those things? Do you start at a lower power and then go up if you need to, or how do you work yeah. that? Yeah. No, I'll usually start out at the low power, which I, I, it's got three settings. The, the Wuxin, the Ocean, has got um, uh, low at 5 watts, an adjustable medium, so I can set it at either 10 watts or 20 watts. I've got it set at 20, mm -hmm. and then high you know, flamethrower at 50 <laughs> watts. Um, yeah, and I'll start out at low. And normally uh, on the trail all day, I will um, leave it at uh, at low. When we did that last large run, um, the the larger run since I got the new radio was only wasn't 175 jeeps. Um, it's only about 70 jeeps. Uh, I did flip it up to high uh, because there was a long way, not only a long distance between me and my tail gunner. Uh, but it was through some canyons and some hills. There was right. a lot of obstacles uh, between us. And we at high power, we never had uh, trouble talking to each other. I didn't switch it down to five watts to see uh, if we could still talk because wrangling whatever it was, 70 Jeeps is like herding well, cats. Well, so you know, was, you're, trying to, you're trying to wheel, so you're not trying to right. play with a radio while, while you're trying to exactly. wheel. And, and the nice thing is, is I didn't have to worry about it. I, I wasn't, yeah. you know, it's stressful enough leading that many vehicles. Like I said, it's like herding cats, and it was just one less thing to worry about. And it's going to feel good, too, knowing you're going to be heard. You don't have to worry about somebody falling out of the line or maybe breaking down and then uh, and then somebody not uh, not seeing them. I mean, if it's your tail gunner that breaks down, that, <laughs> that poor bastard might be sitting there for a while if he didn't have a radio. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, good. So that's it, to me, it sounds wonderful. And it, uh, it especially sounds good from the standpoint of what I want to do with my family. Uh, I love the idea. Uh, I mean, $70 every 10 years, that's like, you know, what, $5 a year? I'm joking. It's uh, $7 a year. <laughs> and it's for your entire family. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. So you have a call sign. Is that something that you have to, to, to use while you're transmitting? And in, in ham radio, we have to use our call sign every 10 minutes. Yeah, it's the same. It's either every 10 minutes. It might be 15 minutes. Don't quote me on that. But mm -hmm. yes, you do have to announce it when you start. And then if you're having a long conversation every 10 or 15 minutes, whichever it is. You're right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, pretty much the same as ham. Well, I can't think of a downside uh, of GMRS. Uh, I mean, you can get a CB 
And uh, because of uh, all the shenanigans of the uh, uh, mid to late 70s, uh, the FCC threw up its hands and said, no, we're not going to license you guys anymore. Do whatever the hell you want to do. But that's kind of the, the, the bad thing about CB is because everybody is doing whatever the hell they want to do, including running thousands of watts uh, with RF illegal RF power amplifiers. And that all impacts how well you can uh, talk to somebody else. And, it, and they may not be very far away when you're trying to talk to them. I was uh, mentioning GMRS to somebody on a Facebook page the other day, and um, they were interested in it, but he said that he could get 20 miles out of his CB mobile. Have you ever experienced that? I haven't. I mean, let's say it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and uh, everything is completely dead on the band. Yeah, I have never gotten anything near that, and we've tried out on the trail, Mm -hmm. um, either through actually needing to talk to somebody that was two or three miles away or and actually we did tests with our cbs when we first got them and i don't think like i said earlier i don't think i ever got more than two three four miles at the most so mm-hmm. i'm sure that somewhere in the world in some conditions you can get <laughs> further but in the real world in my world on cb it just never happened yeah it's just what i've experienced too so i'm just mentioning this because if you're talking to somebody about uh, whether you should get a cb or gmrs or maybe even a ham radio license and go that direction and somebody tells you oh i talk 20 miles on my cb ask them how often ask them what the conditions are and i I think you'll find that they're either it happened once uh, <laughs> to them, you know, five years ago, <laughs> but it's not a regular thing. And I believe, and, and and back me up on this, if this is right, Randy, with GMRS, you can expect to talk five to seven miles regularly. That's been my experience. There yes. you go. So now again, your I point out always that you know your mileage may vary because. Absolutely. If there's a mountain between you and the guy three miles away you're trying to talk to, you're not going to talk to him. But oh, no, absolutely. I mean, it depends on elevation. It depends on uh, what's in between. I mean, like if you're downtown and there's a lot of skyscrapers and metal and stuff, you may not get that kind of mileage because it's going to reflect off those buildings. And, and as it would with CB or any other radio, including your cell phones. So, yeah, your mileage may vary, but we're talking about real-world situation here, at least in a desert, rocky environment, where you were able to talk to a number of, uh, of uh, Jeepers in a trail uh, trail ride with GMRS when you had experienced uh, a lot of problems with CB. And all we're doing is we're not, we're not guaranteeing you uh, perfect radio communications. We're just talking about something that is probably a lot better than what you're used to if you're using CB. Exactly. And with again, with CB, you're stuck with that four watts. With the uh, regular GMRS radios or the higher powered ones, you've got that option. If you can't get through it at five watts, you click up to 10, 20, 30, 40, and flamethrower mode, 50 watts. Mm-hmm. And uh, that helps. Yeah. Can't do that on CB. And you said, too, because I know there's some people out there that are long-time CB years ago, I don't have to worry about four watts because I got 100 or I got 300 or I got 500 watts. And, you know, I'll melt my antenna and you'll hear me. Well, you had some people like doing that. They had uh, the, the RF power amplifiers on their CBs, and they were still having problems uh, still, talking. Yeah, still having range issues. Again, we could obviously hear them better than the guy with the regular 4-watt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but And we never did comparison testing the guy with the linear amplifier on the CB to the, to the GMRS radios. But in the times that they were out with us, we didn't hear them all the time uh, when they were you know, had their power cranked up. And um, it, it, in my experience, it seems like even those illegal guys running those amplifiers 
weren't working as well as just the regular standard uh, 40 or 50 watt GMRS radio. Yeah. So if you guys are interested in uh, 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 Randy's range test, you can go over to YouTube. I'm sure you guys have heard of YouTube. And go look up the GMRS range test. How far can you talk on BTEC GRMS 50X1 mobile radio distance test? Yep, that whole thing. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. Or you can just go to YouTube and search for Not a Rubicon, one word, productions. And uh, look for the, uh, the video that uh, Randy put up on October 25th of uh, 2020. Uh, that's the one I saw, and I thought it was wonderful information and very detailed information, and also too a lot of a lot of driving involved in that, wasn't it, Randy? Yeah, it took a better part of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I ran out of places to go, as a matter of fact, because where I live, you can only go so far before you run into a mountain. And uh, yeah, that was fun though. How did you talk the wife into that? <laughs> well, all she had to do, she stayed home. Oh, I'm sure, but still, <laughs> her Jeep was just sitting. Uh, actually, pulled it out of the garage just a little bit, just sitting in the driveway, and I'm the one that had to do all the work. <laughs> Um, I just had, I'd call her on the cell phone every half hour or so and say, all right, I'm going to go try to call you, go down to the Jeep. So she didn't mind. She still complained. Well, that's good. So she didn't have to sit out there whole, the whole time. You would just say, hey, okay, I'm at my, where I want to test, you know, go out there. And she, and she went out there. So she really were doing all the work. That's great. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be, Randy, but yeah, but we know that's how it works. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Randy, well, tell the folks how they can uh, find you. I mentioned your YouTube channel. Are you on any of the social media stuff? I mean, where can people reach out, maybe keep up with uh, what you're doing uh, with your Jeeps and uh, uh, your two radios? Yeah, you know, the best uh, is our YouTube channel, uh, Not a Rubicon Productions, just, or just search Not a Rubicon, all one word. You'll, you'll see us. It's the big orange Jeep. You can't miss it. <laughs> well, Randy, I sure appreciate it, and I love the information you were able to pr- provide because it's real-world stuff, and I think that's what pe- sells people on things, what, what other people experience. So uh, I can't tell you guys it's, it, you need to get off the CB. Uh, if you like it and you want to do that, that's fine. I'm just telling you there's much better alternatives out there. There's no tests. There's nothing you have to do except, except spend your 70 bucks, uh, get your license from the uh, from the FCC, and it's good for the entire family. I wonder, I wonder if you've got nine people in your family, if it's good for the whole family. I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> so, Randy, thanks so much for making time for us, especially just out of the blue. I mean, I watched Randy's video, and I said, man, i got to get this guy on the show. Reached out to him. He said, sure, sounds like fun. So, appreciate you making time for us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks. Big thanks goes out to Randy for taking the time to talk about GMRS radios and just how beneficial they can be and how much better they are than our CBs uh, in our Jeeps for, uh, you know, on the trail communications and stuff. Does it have you wanting to go out and uh, and look at some GMRS radios? Well, it does for me. And, and as always, if you have an idea for a guest or if you work in the off-road industry or maybe you know somebody who does, maybe you yourself would like to be a guest here on the Jeep Talk Show. We would sure like to have you. Everybody's got a Jeep story, right? We want to hear yours, too. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. Who knows? It could be you. Wow, and these guest interviews are really lining up, uh, guys. We hadn't had any here for a while, but uh, people uh, that don't know us are finally saying yes. So, (laughs) oh, yeah, sure. I'd have heard of you. I'll do it. Everybody that knows us says, no, hell no. They never respond. (laughs) Coming up next week, guest Jason from Rut Rack. That's R-U-C-R-A-K dot com. I have a real simple mental exercise that you can do. R-U-Crack. 
dot com and then uh, you can go right over there it's a really cool little sure, uh, he just loves the site being promoted like that <laughs> sure because that's what we're all about here <laughs> yes well cocaine crack what else uh so uh you, you, you can go over to ruck what rack or are you crack.com and uh, check out these great little uh two inch receiver you, you stick this thing in the two inch receiver you can put your uh spare tire on it it has a fold down table it even has cup holders and 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 during the interview i recommended uh some uh, bottle openers and they may be doing that soon (laughs) Uh, yeah cool you know we we don't get out that much but we're that you know we we're going to be getting out pretty soon so how great would it be to have your your table and everything to go hell this thing even has a flagpole holder so i like yeah i saw the one where the person's got a uh like an uh an umbrella like you see on like somebody's back porch you know (laughs) Actually, in that flagpole. I was like, that's a great idea, actually. Actually, uh, I think you'll hear Jason talk about that. I think that was actually Jason, uh, the uh, one of the uh, uh, designer and co-owners of the company uh, that did that. So, uh, yeah, funny, I think I have that exact same umbrella in my back deck. <laughs> we have a uh, woman out of Fort Bragg, North Carolina, mm-hmm. that does veggies for vets. She tends to the displaced veterans or in and around the area. She runs her garden with her rugrats. So she carries her topsoil and her railroad ties and all kinds of stuff to run her garden. So there's much more to that interview, as you can well imagine. And, uh, oh, a bit of a heads up. There may be a giveaway. <laughs> so now is the time to install that jeep talk show app so you can be one of the first listeners to get in on giveaways because that's really the fastest way you can hear the show mm-hmm. next week jason from rut rack or are you crack oh, <laughs> <laughs> the million dollar idea man that's uh mm-hmm. that's, that's how you do it mm-hmm are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Tony, Josh, Wendy, and of course, my favorites, the Zoom people. Sorry I missed last week. It's been a long two months trying to get our new shop up and running. We have been putting in 16-hour days. They've been wow. long days. And tonight is the big night. We go before town council. The way the zoning is set up here in Monte Vista, Colorado, we need to get approved for a special use permit for the repair shop. Typical government red tape. Keep your fingers crossed. Jeep life, just like all different aspects of life, we all have pet peeves. Pet peeves mean something about which one frequently complains, something that is personally annoying, or a personal dislike. The opinions on Jeep life are my own, not the opinions of the Jeep Talk Show. I'm sure after this segment, Tony, Wendy, and Josh may chime in with their pet peeves in the Jeep world. When I became a new Jeep owner about eight years ago, I created my top three pet peeves. The top three were not getting my Jeep Wave returned, people who have hard tops in the summer, and Rubicons left stock. I have since evolved in my Jeep pet peeves. It doesn't bother me anymore if I don't get a Jeep Wave returned. I've done that many times. Not on purpose, though. So when we have the weight of the world on our shoulders, we kind of get caught up in our own lives. Hard tops in the summer. Well, I have since realized we are all Jeepers for our own reason, and that's okay. If you want to be just a show-and-shine Jeeper, or maybe a mud-only off-roader, 
or are strictly an old-school jeeper, or just a soccer mom turned topless jeep mom. That's your prerogative, and you do you. That's what's so great about the jeep life. Live it your way. And as far as stock-only Rubicons, well, they are pretty badass and really don't need modifications to go out and wheel. And like we always say, it's okay to stay stock and work on your off-road skills first before you step up your game. So now, what are my pet peeves in the Jeep world? Typically, I do top fives, but I'm going to keep this to top three. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf and not let things bother me as much as they used to. I'm trying to become more of an optimist instead of a pessimist. So here goes. Number three, auto reviewers. It never (laughs) fails. There's always a review on the Jeep from a non-Jeeper who doesn't get what the Jeep life is all about. The reviews are always so negative, like it has low gas mileage. Well, we know that, and that's not a factor we use in buying a Jeep. Mm -hmm. Or, they are such a noisy ride. Well, duh. (laughs) Or, they're not a smooth ride. Just once, I would like to see a review from an auto reviewer who gets what the Jeep life is all about and what we are looking for in a Jeep. Not low gas mileage or a smooth ride or a non-noisy ride. We get it. We're Jeepers. We know what we want. Number two. Jeepers who are always cruising fast on the trails. First off, there's a speed limit for trails. I believe it's never above 20 miles per hour. Don't quote me, but I think that's what it is. Speeding on the trails tear up the train, and they put other people in danger. This is one good way to get our trail system shut down. I have been on trails where there are blind curves where you can't see the other side of the curve. I've almost been hit several times by speeding off-roaders. Usually, it's the side-by-sides. Yeah. I don't understand why everyone <laughs> is such in, in such a hurry to get off the trail. Mm-hmm. The trails are my zen time. And the number one pet peeve I have in the Jeep world, Jeepers who post videos and pictures of them doing stupid stuff like crazy excessive wheel spin, bouncing up those ledges, trying to break their rigs, flexing on national monuments, especially Jeepers who have a following on social media. These Jeepers are looked up to. They have lots of followers, and they're posting all this stuff that they shouldn't be posting. Because you know what? Some new Jeepers may not know that excessive wheel spin is a no-no, or any of those things I mentioned are not good responsible wheeling. It just sets a poor example, and it makes us all look bad. Another reason for getting trails closed. So there you go. My top three Jeep World pet peeves. Oh, wait. I have one more. I'm sure most of you are going to disagree with this. My cat claws are coming out, by the way. It's Jeep girls on social media, especially Jeep girl YouTubers, who are barely dressed, especially doing all those stupid poses on their Jeep. I hate when that happens. I hate that. Anyway, next time on Jeep Life, I'm going to talk about decals and stickers and putting them on your Jeep. What you need to be careful of before you put that sticker on from the event you just attended. I uh, often say in a loud, clear voice, oh, my God, put some clothes on if I think my wife is standing behind me in the computer. Hey, hey, look, look, look. Sometimes I like to put on a set of Daisy Dukes. I don't need the comments like, you know, hey, your legs are hairy, your balls are hanging out. Like, it's just all about, uh, you know, freedom. (laughs) Oh, that breeze feels nice. Um, So, yeah. Well, you know, I can't. uh, All I can say is if you watch... um, I don't want to say professional sports, but the shows that 
of uh, the rock, the buggy bouncers that going up the, the cliff face and running into trees and just blasting up as fast as possible. This is why you see people out on the trail because they see it on television or they see it on YouTube. But these are events that are designed for that to occur and doing it in an off-road park probably isn't the best thing to do. Uh, for the the examples that uh, it's a difference between like difference between like death metal and uh, and and jazz. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, look, they're both music, right? They both use instruments and may may even use some of the same instruments, right? But they're completely different kinds of music. Mm-hmm. Just like right. you know, your average rock crawling that your normal jeeper does is completely different than the kind of buggy jumping that Tony was just describing that typically happens in the South. I think a lot of it is regional, hey. of course, but uh, but yes, there are lots of different flavors of wheeling, and and it's uh, each one is different as the next. Well, and they have certain areas for this, but I think that's what feeds into people, especially whenever they're uh, uh, you know imbibing a little bit, and they go, "This is I saw this on TV. I'm going to try this myself. I'll be a no, hero." My bear. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that, Josh. Hey, hold my beer. Watch this, y'all. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what? I was going to add one pet peeve because she was talking through that. I'm thinking, what are mine? Hmm. I think my top one is the idiots that can't pick up their trash. I'm sorry. I just have to go there. Like they throw the glass. They don't pick up after themselves when they use the bathroom. You know, that kind of stuff. No, absolutely. I'm just glad there's no beds to be made up out there on the trail, uh, Wendy. Otherwise, you'd be complaining about that, too. (laughs) <laughs> nah. uh, if we're gonna uh, you know each kind of go around the table i'm you know hey mine is uh drinking and driving on the trail uh there's yes. a time and place for everything i like to tilt yes. them back i've got one right here in fact uh but at the same time uh you're not going to find one uh you know between the legs when i'm behind the wheel so yeah i'm with you on that, that kind of yeah no you got uh, you almost <laughs> got hit by uh, somebody that was uh, over and by my friend you? in fact and that said uh, yeah that that wasn't cool yeah, Mm-mm. and it's so it's it's hard to deal with somebody when they've been drinking a lot, um, and it really is too. You try and put him in his place, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't remember the next day. So no, what's the porch. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you do video and uh, duct tape Good and look. binder swine. <laughs> well, how does Tammy's Jeep life compare with yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories, so contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com/contact to find out how. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. You know, and sometimes you don't know that you need something until you need it. Uh, And if you need a glove that can do it all, the Outrider glove was specifically designed to handle any tough job that comes comes your way. Uh, This is from the manufacturer's website, uh, Noble Outfitters, is who I'm talking about here. This particular glove is double-stitched, double-layer, reinforced construction, and padded knuckle. It's ready for anything you can throw at it. Don't worry if you work up a sweat on the job. The breathable, textured knit on the back side of the hand and terry cloth sweat wipe has you covered. Now, that's their description. Now, these gloves were designed for general equestrian use, according to my research, uh, and maybe some light farmhand work as well. Now, I've been using a set of these for the last two months straight on a daily basis in gravel, working with diesel, pulling cable, pulling blackberry vines, using hand tools, power tools, you name it, dry weather, cold weather, and in pouring rain, these gloves have handled it all like they should have a seven-slot grill on the back of the hand. Now, these aren't the gloves I have in my Jeep, but this weekend, I'm actually going to be going out and getting another pair just for that purpose alone. That's why I I love these gloves so much. 
they have not only held it to the abuse, but they clean up well. They don't stretch out, which is more importantly, they so they keep their fit. And the dexterity and tactile response of these when working with small parts or in tight spaces have me has me giving them two thumbs up. And for those who are in the Zoom room, uh, you can see that I am wearing a pair of very used gloves right now. These are the ones that I've been using uh, every day for the last two months. And uh, and they work amazingly well. Uh, and they have held up to a lot of abuse uh, and, and other gloves that I have had uh, before that, doing what I do, even just general mechanic work. Uh, they plain and simply don't last. The fingers blow out, uh, the stitching just comes apart, uh, or you know the things just wear in places they shouldn't be, uh, and pretty soon you're throwing the gloves out. Uh, so you know I got mine through an outfit called Coastal Farm and Ranch, but the link that we're going to have for you in the show notes is from the manufacturer. Uh, from there, you can find a retailer close to you uh, that can you can get a set of these for yourself. I think you need a good set of gloves. It's just a good thing to have. You know, even if you have synthetic line, it's it's a good thing to have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you I go, knew. Tony. That's good, Tony. Thank you. <laughs> now, you know, I, I know we come up with stuff, you know, every so often. This isn't ex- exactly Jeep-related, but, you know, look, it's it's wintertime for a lot of people. I know, Tony, it's pretty mild where you're at year-round, uh, and maybe gloves aren't something you think about. Up here in the Northwest... Uh, where it's you know it was pretty much 39 degrees all day today, uh, and, uh, and and it was raining for a good part of that. And I was working outside for a good portion, uh, installing a winch on a tilt trailer. And uh, uh, you know with that, you want to have something on your hands. Uh, and so you're working with electronics, you're working with tools, you're working you know with drills and stuff. I mean it's and these things just do it all, and they feel comfortable while doing it without sacrificing a lot of grip or dexterity or movement or or you know the ability to feel what you're doing or anything um and that's why i've just i had to put these gloves on the show because they have just really absolutely impressed me uh, another great thing about them is uh they come on and off really easy they fit well and they are uh touch screen safe uh, and they actually work on your touchscreen phone too oh, so that's nice nice have you Very thought nice. about uh bedazzling them putting some little uh jewels <laughs> no, no. and uh things on there maybe some ribbons <laughs> no you don't do that no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Now, I will I will say one thing. Um, I was doing a bunch of metal fab work uh, earlier uh, throughout the last couple of days, in fact. And uh, I was doing a bunch of, you know, drilling and cutting of metal, uh, grinding and stuff like that. And I will say that uh, on the thumb part right here, like where you would use to kind of like, you know, wipe your thumb. You know, you got a little bit of a runny nose. I got to wipe some water off my cheek or something like that. You use the, the, the kind of back part of your thumb uh, of the glove for that. It will collect some metal shavings. And you don't necessarily want to wipe under your nose with a glove full of metal shavings. <laughs> Ask no. me how I know. <laughs> oh. If you're a manly man, it's fine. If not, yeah. then uh, not so much. Have uh, you got a mustache? It's all right. It yeah, that's true. Helps. <laughs> <laughs> Just pass your face in front of a magnet. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. So uh, the price for these are about twenty dollars. Oh, uh, you can bad. get them for less. You can get them for a little bit more. And honestly, at, for a twenty dollar pair of gloves, my yeah. God, these things have impressed me. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I highly recommend them. Noble Outfitters is the brand. Um, the uh, the the style or uh, the model, if you will, is Outrider. Now I will say this. Noble Outfitters does have a bunch of other gloves, and a couple months ago, I tried another pair of their gloves. They were goatskin gloves. They looked very similar to these. I would never, ever, ever buy another pair of those, ever again, ever. (laughs) (laughs) Ever? The reason for that is... 
they they held up very well. Uh, they held up against diesel. They held up uh, working in in engine environment, um, stuff like that. However, uh, the finger uh, the the material that the the fingers and stuff were made out of uh, this goat skin tended to stretch, and pretty soon oh. my my index finger was about eight inches long. And, and that, you know, that kind of gets in the way when you're trying to, you know, handle little things and, and stuff like that. So they lost their fit. They, they didn't, uh, they stretched out, even though they didn't blow apart, uh, they, they maintained their, their structural integrity, but their sizing didn't. And, and the material that they were made out of started to stretch out and, and they just became unwearable at that point. So um, they've got, you know, they're kind of reserved for the, uh, I'm going to, you know, handle a bunch of oil or gas type of gloves and, and that's about it. Uh, these other Noble Outfitter gloves that I just got, these Outrider gloves from a couple months ago, um, these things are amazing and I highly recommend you pick up a pair for yourself. Those goatskin gloves would be probably perfect, uh, for, uh, challenging somebody to a duel. Slap, slap. Here, here. Or, or, or maybe the one with metal shavings would be better. <laughs> would be better, yeah. The shavings. I think that's what you need to do. <laughs> now, I did. Uh, I did share uh, a little snippet of video uh, here with my co-host over the weekend. I uh, working on my own Jeep and discovered that uh, I have a collapsed lifter uh, in my in my uh, engine. I, I posted up a very short video on YouTube of that, and I and I had a, a link uh, for that uh, that I that I shared with uh, with everybody else, and and I shared that I, th- I think with the Zoom people as well. So you guys had a chance to check that out. Uh, and you can see these gloves kind of in action as I am going through the top end of my motor. Uh, so if you're kind of, you know, curious as to the fit and function of them, uh, you can kind of actually see them in action as well. What are you going to do about that, Josh? Did you uh, decide just to replace the lifter, replace all the lifters, uh, oh, uh, hydraulic I, lifters? or? I am still on the fence with that, uh, to be honest. I, I still have a couple phone calls I need to make. Uh, I, I've been working long days, and I haven't been able to get a chance to, to make the phone call into the place that closes at 5. Um, and so I'm hoping that tomorrow, because they're only open Monday through Friday, I'll have a chance to, uh, to get that phone call in before they close up. The reason why is uh, this is a uh, cylinder head manufacturer, not manufacturing, a cylinder head uh, company that's been in Portland in business for over 75 years. And, and these guys, um, even though they're not the cylinder head shop that I have gone to in the past, when I've got nothing against them, in fact, I actually patronized their business just uh, recently with another Jeep that I had in the garage. Um, this company uh, sells, they, they recondition motors. Not only do they do head work, but they do engine work as well. And they have been posting uh, ads on Craigslist for the better part of five years or more um, about uh, four liter engine swaps. And, uh, and a, a business who has been in, you know, in the same building for 75 years in the Portland metro area, I'm going to go ahead and respect that they know what they're doing. Um, and so the price is relatively reasonable uh, compared to something like a, uh, uh, a Titan motor or um, something like a uh, uh, was ATK uh, engine. Um, and so I don't necessarily need the top half of the motor. I've got a freshly rebuilt head that has had some work done to it. Um, that I would like to keep and uh, and use again. Uh, so if I swap out my bottom end with um, with another motor, well, that might be about the same kind of cost as it would be for me to rebuild. So um, it's something that's an option that I'm looking at. I, I've got to find out exactly what the numbers are going to be on that and if that's something that I want to entertain. Now, the other option, of course, is doing a full rebuild or even a partial rebuild, this time actually swapping out the cam like I should have done last time. <laughs> so you, I think I asked this, you did not see any metal shavings in the oil. You uh, dumped some oil out or all the, or, or all the oil and there was no metal shavings. 
Correct. Yeah, everything looks good. So, um, again, this happened literally less than a mile from the house, and there was less than five minutes of runtime, uh, you know, on very little load, mm-hmm. uh, mind right. you, to get the Jeep from where it was when this happened to where it is parked now. So, um, were you doing a burnout not- at the time? One of uh, Tammy's <laughs> pet peeves. I was literally pulling out of a pulling out of a business driveway onto an arterial road. Oh. So it, it's it, it's not that much engine load. It wasn't like I was flooring it, going sideways out of this driveway. <laughs> so it, you know, it's it's one of those things where I'm not. And and before the the last rebuild, the engine had great compression. Um, all across the board, I think all, you know, between all cylinders, it was less than five to seven PSI difference between them all. And they were all within five PSI of spec. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident of the bottom end of this motor. Uh, it's just, um, you know, now that I've had, uh, uh you know, this cam issue, um, you know, God, it, 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 I, I possibly, uh, you know. I spun a lobe. Uh, I know the lifter is shot. Uh, so the lifters and cam for sure are going out. It's just a matter of do I want to replace the other, the rest of the motor, essentially. What are you, uh, what are you at, 225, uh, 250? Yeah, I'm below 250, somewhere between 225 and 250, yeah. So actually, if you could swing a new, uh, basically a, a short block, uh, you would be in pretty good si- situation for the the next uh, 30 years whenever they outlaw the internal combustion <laughs> <I> engine. <laughs> and so here's the thing is I don't want to be in that situation where like this time I should have just held off, saved my pennies, waited another few months um, and, 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 you know, upgraded my cam with the same, at the same time when I got my lifters and, and done everything all at once. I had done the timing. I had done the lifters. I had done the push rods and the rocker arms right. and all of that. I literally did everything except for the cam, and now I'm kicking myself in the shorts for not doing it because I, I don't think you have a cam problem. I think you just had a bad lifter. I mean, if uh, if the yes, lobe was having a problem, then you would have had metal shavings in the oil, the cam lobe. True. Well, true. I, I think you have a bad lifter. That's one of the reasons why I talk about just uh, uh, putting in a set of lifters. Of course, it, it ain't easy. You know, you got to take the head off and stuff. But probably compared uh, to what yeah. you did last I've, I've time, it, it would be pretty simple. Well, I've already got the radiator. I mean, I've got the coolant drain because I got to pull the head off. So right. you know, it, it's one of those things where I've already got the radiator pulled down, and and, and you know, the water pumps off or the uh, the water pump, the uh, the uh, power steering pumps off. I'm gonna pull off the uh, the manifold and intake. You know, all that sort of stuff. So I can get the head off. Once I get oh, the head off. Oh, you have off, an exhaust problem, an exhaust leak as well, don't you? So this would be a great time to replace the, the header. Well, the header has been replaced. The, the The issue was the fitment is because I had a custom downpipe made, and I think it's slightly out of spec in uh, angle. Okay. And, um, and so it didn't quite match up right. And when I had the mount redone at the transmission, uh, at the transmission mount, um, I think that they kind of skewed things a little bit. Gotcha. So... Um, so it's right it, there at the collector right, where the noise right is coming at the collector, from. The, yeah. the donut, basically, right at the donut is where it was leaking. So, um, yeah, I, I plan on addressing that uh, possibly with a design. I, I don't know what I'm going to do there. It might be I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, so, so but, please but, let us know when you get that head off and you pull out that lifter. I mean, I personally want to see a picture of that lifter. Yeah, I want to oh, see if there's well, any damage to it. I bet you it looks fine. It just doesn't pump up. 
Yeah, I really want to see the, the the bottom end of that lifter. Yeah, I, I want to. See I that, know you're yeah. concerned that the the lobe actually ate into it because it wasn't spinning. Yeah. So I'd like to I'd like to see that if that's actually the case or not. Very interested in finding out what's going on and and please make sure you let the uh, the listeners know as well. Oh yeah, no, you guys will be the first uh, first to know. So I'll be uh, giving you regular updates. Now this is something that I am I am trying to take care of as soon as possible. Um, because, well, I am still out of a daily driver at this point with my, uh, with my Passat having blown its engine a, a number of weeks back. So, um, I, I just can't go out and willy nilly just buy another car. Um, mm-hmm. and so I may be getting back into the position of my Jeep is going to be my daily driver again, uh, until I can you well, know, possibly get, you're so close to the, ca- the house now with work, uh, you can, you can drive it. in style. That's so just <laughs> I, I really miss commuting with Marty, you know, driving my Jeep on a more regular basis. I love driving Jeeps. They're, yes. they're so much fun to drive. They're so much fun to own. Uh, they're just a pain he has to work on something. Well, so. you know, when they go bad, uh, they go bad. Yeah. So fortunately, <laughs> they go really bad. Fortunately, they don't, it doesn't usually cost very much and uh, to fix, and they're fairly easy to, to work on. No, I, so. could, I could rebuild, I could buy a rebuild, uh, an engine, an entire engine rebuild kit for like 500 bucks. Right. I mean, so there you go. Um, you know, that's not including any kind of machining that I would have to buy or, you know, fluids and, and things like that or anything else that I, that I need to take care of while I'm in there. Yeah. Um, but I've done all that already. Right. So I've done all the, while you're in there. Um, so essentially it's just basically uh, the decision of, okay, I- I- am I going to just basically buy a rotating assembly and put everything that I've already got back on it, back on, back together? Do I rebuild this with possibly a more aggressive cam and take the advantage of, of doing some upgrades that I should have done this last time around, or do I just do a motor swap altogether and uh, and bite the bullet, you know, fifteen hundred bucks or so, and uh, and just dump it on a credit card and 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 you know do it that way? Um, I've got a lot of options in front of me, and I've got you know these uh, these tires that I've got to put through. I was some just going to say, well. we got to right. get the Nexen tires on your Jeep you know, so you can take it yeah. out. So the, uh, the thing I'm going to tell you, and I've already shared this with you, so this is really for the audience. Uh, my, my option for you is to replace those lifters, check the push rods to make sure that you don't have any problems there. Oh, which slap, I did, by the way. I meant to report on, on that. I oh, pulled out okay. a couple of those push rods and, and brought them across a, a uh, uh, well, I held them up on a straight edge, four angles, and uh, uh, brought them across a, a nice smooth piece of, of concrete. Um, you know, asphalt, you know, nice smooth surface, and rolled them to see if there was any any you know possibility of a bent push rod. Nope, they're all straight as narrow. Okay, good. And uh, you know, possibly like you like you're, you've already done, check the uh, the push rods and slap that bitch back together, and then start saving money for an engine replacement. I love the idea of the engine replacement. I think you can get by with uh, with this the 4.0 is so sturdy i think you just got a bad melling lifter or you got some debris in there that caused it to uh the hole to the plug and uh, not pump up that's it that is a possibility now i did blow out all of my uh, all of my push rods uh and make sure that they were you know free and clear yeah, your cheeks uh, so are still a little red I, whether i blew the evidence <laughs> out I, I i don't know but they were clean and clear um, as I, uh, as I was loading them into my keepers. So, yeah, well, well, definitely interested in finding out what's going on. So I'm sure you'll let us know. Man, I wish it was as uh, cool here 
uh, that it is over there where you guys, I, I see you, you shivering. You need to come visit, Tony. It's freezing uh, cold over here. I know. I would be, uh, I well, love I'm, it. I'd like to have my wife out there. Well insulated, and it's getting quite quite warm in here, actually. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not the, used to being hot, damn it. I've been the, working in the cold so much lately. The cat is really enjoying the heat. You can uh, see oh, it yeah. right behind he, you. He's Yeah, he's, he's loving it over here. <laughs> so, hey, uh, the question is, do you rebuild it or do you swap it? Uh, Tony was sort of uh, helping us uh, segue into this a little bit with that line of questioning as we wrapped up our last segment. Now, as we also discussed in episode 474, which is last week's roundtable discussion, when we got the breakdown from Jalopnik writer David Tracy, who showed us just how much money one can save when doing maintenance and repairs yourself, and he was using a Jeep Cherokee XJ as reference. One big point of savings came when he opted to rebuild the power steering box instead of swapping it out. My question would be, which one would, would you have done and which have you ever uh, had this option uh, uh, faced in front of you? Not necessarily with a steering box, but maybe something else. Could it be even something like uh, the situation I'm in where you're facing an uh, engine rebuild or possibly an engine swap? Uh, which direction would you go? Now, I know that uh, we've got all kinds of Jeepers here that uh, uh, listen to the show and uh, each and every week we invite some of them. Uh, we don't invite them. We open the door pretty we, much. We mandate uh, that they, yeah, it's yeah. Not an invitation. They have to Eat show up. Get your ass here. <laughs> so, uh, and we we've got a number of listeners around the campfire uh, side chat for for tonight, and uh, of course we uh, we invite you to do the same thing. If you're new to the show and you'd like to join in on the fun, this is an open segment where listeners can actually join and become a part of the show during the live recording. And there's a number of ways you can do that, and we'll teach you how to do that here after this segment, so stay tuned. For now, we're going to go around the campfire and talk with the listeners who are here tonight, and boy, do we have quite a few, so we're going to go through this pretty quick. And we'll even talk to the co-hosts as well and see where they stand, uh, sit on this topic. Do you rebuild it, or do you swap it? First on our list tonight, Isaac, 95YJ. Uh, have you ever been uh, with a situation where you're forced to either swap something out or rebuild it? Um, I suppose, yeah. I had my alternator go out. I think you can rebuild those. You I can. swapped it out, though, because it was easier. Yeah, and um, one of those times you can, you know, you where you're faced with, you know, do you rebuild it or do you swap it out? You know, the, the question will be sort of um, uh, answered for you by the core charge uh, in a lot of cases. Yeah, true. <laughs> I still have to ship mine back, actually. Do you remember how much your core charge was? Um... On the one that I purchased, I think the core charge was like 20 bucks, but there were ones that were up to like $40, $60 for the alternator. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Now, obviously, rebuilding an alternator would require specialty tools. Oftentimes, things like rewinding an alternator uh, would come into that where uh, obviously specialty equipment is, is involved. Uh, sometimes it might be just a matter of swapping out a regulator or some sort of internal component. But oftentimes, you also need specialty uh, diagnostic equipment to find out what's going on with that sort of thing. An alternator may not be something that you could rebuild quite as easily as a power steering pump. But that being said, um, you know, I think you went with the right choice there, Isaac. Yeah, uh, I, I think it was the bearing that went out on it. Oh, yep. No, that 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 definitely would be, uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll start making all kinds of noise, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how I found out it was wrong. Yep, yep. <laughs> Hey, I want to move right over to Christopher, uh, K.R. Roach, here uh, in the house. Hey, Christopher, uh, have you ever been faced with a situation where you could rebuild something or just simply swap it out on your Jeep? Yes, I have. Yes, <laughs> Which way? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what was it? Uh, Which way did you go? The engine 
uh, I got it from a friend. So it had two pistons that had been completely galled up and something mm. was inside the, ch the chamber. So uh, one of them had completely, the piston was halfway gone and the other one was just eaten up. So I pretty much went to the salvage, found another engine, uh, swapped it out, anything that I needed, swapped those parts. I think the engine cost me $350. Not and bad. And the charge was like 85 bucks. And that was with everything except for a harness, which Jeez. I could have took the harness, but I didn't because I didn't need it. So I ended up swapping engines out. And, uh, and a lot of components too. It sounds like, yeah. So did yeah, you did so, you figure out what messed up the uh, messed up the pistons? I mean, uh, you didn't see a ten millimeter embedded in some piston head, did you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I think it was uh, like spark plug parts, really, or something that somebody, you know, the porcelain. Sometimes if you don't get those things on there just right, they'll crack, and they will fall in if you don't wow. watch it. So. Yeah, or possibly putting the wrong kind of spark plug in there that's uh, maybe a little bit too long or something like that. Yeah, I could I could see that, that sort of thing happening. That no. Oh, well, man, it was it was too small. Let's start up the engine to see if it'll shoot it out of the out of the hole. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, I I opted out on uh, just swapping the engine and it runs so. Now, any regrets versus going that route versus, uh, say, buying, you know, like a crate motor or uh, something like that? No. Probably uh, being able to eat would not be a regret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. yeah. Buying There's food, that. gas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it, yeah. It was like, I think the engine for a crate engine would have been like $2,800. Yeah. With oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I was looking at the Titan engines when Josh and I were talking about uh, his, his engine situation. And of course, I went straight over to the 4.0 Stroker for like oh, $3,500. Yeah, $3,500. <laughs> yeah, $3, and then know. I went over and looked at the Edelbrock uh, all aluminum head, you know, to go with it. Another $3,500. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was. It's was like another $2,000 for that head. And I was like, dude, at that point, I'm just calling up Homeboy over there at, at Newcomer Racing. I'm going to talk to my boy Keith over there. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm just going to be like, hey, Keith, right. uh, 800 horsepower, make it happen. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, that would be a good daily driver, wouldn't it? Yeah, right. All right, Larry, Jeep and Mo in the house. What you got for us? Uh, you swap it, man, or rebuild it, man? A little bit of both. Uh, my, uh, my, my Jeep's an 18, so I've had to do some swapping on that, not a lot of rebuilding on that yet. But uh, uh, older vehicles I've had, I've had, I've had to rebuild steering boxes and stuff like that. And it's not too hard of a job, is it, in the, in the end? No, not really. It really no, is surprisingly easy. Steering box and old Fords, and yeah, it can be time consuming and frustrating. Whenever it can be time uh, consuming, yeah, and you want to make sure you've got a really good set of snap ring pliers. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, you oh, know yeah. that that's really about it. You know, uh, ha have snap ring pliers will rebuild, I guess. Yeah, just take a lot of pictures as you take it apart. There you oh, go. Oh yeah, very, it, and it makes it so very much nicer smart. these days with the smartphones because you've got a camera with you. And it, yep. it, I tell you what, right. it makes drum brakes a lot easier. <laughs> I don't care how many times you've done it. It's like, well, did that go over this or under that? Oh, son of a bitch. And then you look at Take the picture. Take both wheels off and run back and forth. Yes, exactly. Yes, done that. I was doing that this past weekend, as a matter of fact. First, uh, first uh, drum uh, uh, repair that I did, I took all the parts off on both sides. 
Oh, boy. No. <laughs> Man, where did this one go? <laughs> oh, so stupid. I think I was like 16. So, you know, there you go. Break, well, you break learn somehow. Manual. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's how it's done. All right. Mike Zen in the house. Mike, uh, what do you got for us? Are you a rebuild it guy or are you a swap it out altogether guy? I'm a swap it altogether guy. Uh, you know, one of the stories that I'm kind of thinking of right now is that when my starter uh, went out, uh, Bill wanted to see if he could, uh, you know, fix it, you know, open it up and take, take it out. And when he opened it up, it ended up all like all the plastic uh, in, uh, components that were in there it was all cracked up. So I had to literally Ooh. replace it. But uh, luckily, I had him to help me out and replace it. Well, see, that's it. Jeep Brotherhood coming together. Jeepers helping Jeepers. That's what it's all about right there. That's- that's exactly what it's about. <laughs> and, and you got to see the inside of an alternator, so it's a it's a win win. Starter, yeah. Oh, was it? I'm sorry. I was thinking. I thought it was thinking alternator. <laughs> yeah, and that's not something that you know you typically get to tear into. And that's where a lot of this, you know, the the motivation behind a lot of this comes in. I mean, sure, you know, uh, money has a has a big uh, you know uh, motivational factor behind uh, your decision uh, to swap something out or or to rebuild it. But at the same time. If, you know, you've got some technical aptitude, some mechanical aptitude behind you, you've got a decent set of tools, uh, maybe use this as an excuse to buy another tool or upgrade something that you already have. And then you, you know, you figure out how to do it. You learn something new and you get that sense of accomplishment and a further, more deeper understanding of how your Jeep works or how that one component on your Jeep works. So, you know, there's, there's definitely several motivating factors behind, you know, decision behind this. Um, Bob, two cheap Jeep guys, which direction do you go? Uh, if it is like a engine that can be rebuilt and that's what I want, I'll rebuild it. Uh, like on the TJ, I got a Dana 30 under the front end. If I grenade that, I'll upgrade to a 44. There's certain times where, you know, the, the, the failure of one part would certainly lead to, you know, the, the ability to upgrade. I mean, like I've, I think I've said it more than a few times is that, that uh, Jeep parts don't fail, they just give you options for upgrades. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's certainly, you know, you know, one of those things to where, yeah, you know, if, if it's going to break, you can always rebuild it, um, and then you can, you know, replace it to make it better. And if there's an option to make it stronger, bigger, better, more fun, you know, absolutely whatever, uh, it's oftentimes worth it. Uh, to go down that route and to to upgrade it. Much like, well, yeah, if you grenade a Dana 30, sure, there are plenty and in, in in plentiful out there. You can get them a, a dime a dozen. Um, but, you know, the opportunity would arise to make an upgrade in, slap in a 44 in there. So, uh, yeah, I, I, hats off to that. Uh, absolutely. All about making those upgrades. Hey, Chip, where do you stand? Uh, are you, do you, you repair it? Uh, do you replace it? Which way do you go? Um, probably going to replace it. I mean, I've got a lot of, things that I want to upgrade on my Jeep, but I wait till they break and then, and then buy <laughs> new or upgrade. Um, so I, I try not to break it on purpose, but sometimes that could happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. I've heard that story before. <laughs> I, try, uh-huh. I swear I, I, I recognize that. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Wendy. Um, yeah. So I, I guess my biggest choice was when I bought my 2014 JK, it was used, but it already had a rock crawler lift on it. And I'm, I looked at it, but not being as informed as I should have been, um, found out too late that the previous owner didn't maintain it, hadn't kept it greased, and and the bushings were pretty much shot. So we had to make a choice. Do we rebuild that lift kit or do I just order a new lift kit? And 
I started looking closer and it, it wasn't really adjustable like I wanted. I needed to push the rear axle back a little bit. Um, so I, I ordered a new TerraFlex lift kit. So yeah, I'm tending to buy new parts as the old ones wear out. That way I know I've got something. I need to rebuild my gears. Um, I'm still running 410s with 37s and I probably need to go up, but um, haven't made that choice yet. But yeah, I'm going to stick new parts in it just so I have the confidence when I'm pushing it off road that I know everything, nothing's going to break. And usually I drive to my wheeling destination, so I don't have the capability of throwing it on a trailer when I break it or, or break down. I want it. So I'll spend more money on the Jeep than going out and buying a bigger pickup so that I can tow it to the, to the <laughs> off road course. That's one way of there looking at it. Yeah. No, that, but that's, uh, you know, that's where a lot of this comes from is, is you know, uh, your means and, and, of course, the long-term goals a, a, as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, it may not be, you know, conducive to your long-term goals to just start throwing parts at a problem uh, when, you know, you might be able to just spend a little bit more time, do some troubleshooting and stuff like that. But in Chip's case, you know, you needed that adjustability. And you could have rebuilt that thing top to bottom. You still would not have had the adjustability that you needed. Uh, and right. at that point, it's almost, it's, it's not necessarily an upgrade. It's almost a necessity at that point uh, because it could be a safety issue. Uh, it could be a capacity issue, a capability issue, uh, any number of things that, it, that is forcing that situation. Now, was there anything wrong with the, rock, with the design of the rock crawler system? Probably not. Did it work fine for the previous owner? I'm sure that it did. Uh, obviously, it wasn't uh, suited for your needs, and and thusly, it had to go. Uh, a completely different situation there with with Chip's case, in that you know he was more or less forced into uh, you know having to swap something out because of his needs, not because of of wants. There, uh, sevenslats.com. Chris, you're with us. Where would you fall on the swap it or rebuild it? Typically, swap it if if it's uh, if I have the parts. Uh, I got into the parking brake assembly in my JK. It was uh, not working, and I realized it was the levers, the actuator levers, and uh, that's a special order part. So, for lack of a better term, I rebuilt those, knocked them apart, soaked them in oil, peened them back together, and uh, had to put it back together just because I couldn't get those parts and had to get it had to get it back on the road. So I'll get to do that job twice at some point. But uh, given oh. if, Properly prepared, I'll, I'll get the parts and just swap them out. Those special order parts, they can always bite you in the butt sometimes, can't they? And it's it's luckily you're you're able to, you know, you, you have not only the, the, the smarts, but the means, uh, you know, tool-wise to, to take something apart like that, diagnose what's going on with it, and then be able to figure out, okay, this is how I'm going to get this thing working again. And, and sometimes, I, I don't know, in my experience... Just taking it apart, cleaning it, putting it back together again solves the problem. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I found that too many times that uh, it, you know it, I couldn't find anything wrong with it. Put it back together. Hey, it works. Who knew? So mm -hmm. it made it all just needed to be cleaned. Uh, who, who knows? Uh, Greg is going to wrap up our our listener side uh, of this segment here before we move on to the co-host. Greg, uh, where do you fall on rebuilding or swapping it out? I typically just swap. I mean, it's a big enough job for me to. To do the swap, let alone try to do the swap or, you know, take the th part out, rebuild it, and put it back. So, I just think uh, swapping would be the way to go if I have the means. Well, you know, in the, in, at the end of the day, you do have to figure out what is your time worth. More oftentimes than not, rebuilding something is going to take a lot more time, but it's going to cost a lot less money. Uh, and so, you got to figure out, okay, you know, do I want to spend my entire Saturday 
rebuilding this fill in the blank. Um, you know, I don't have anything else better to do. I don't have anything else going on, but I can certainly find something else better to do. Uh, I don't want to necessarily want to spend my entire day in front of the workbench uh, tinkering on this fill in the blank. Um, but that being said, it might save you several hundred dollars uh, by the end of the day. And, you know, is your time worth that? And, and only you are able to answer that question. Uh, Wendy, uh, you know, where, where do you, would you rather rebuild something or would you rather swap it out? Well, Bill kind of does both. So it just depends on, like we heard tonight, what the item is. He's certainly capable of probably rebuilding most things, but then it's time or money or it's, you know, he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to get underneath the Jeep and hang there for how many days. So we, we would probably do both depending on the item. I, I'm with you there. And I think that's, that's one of those things where we'd all kind of fall into that category of, well, it's a game time decision. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it, I might not be feeling up to it that week. Uh, right. But this part needs to go. It either needs to be rebuilt or it needs to be swapped out. Uh, but I'm under the weather or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it might be. Um, it could be a number of different factors that, that are, are completely extraneous to the Jeep or the Jeep world that, that, you know, force your decision one way or the other. Uh, mm -hmm. Tony, I know you've kind of uh, gone both ways on this, rebuilding and swapping stuff out. Uh, uh, you are a tinkerer at heart for sure. Uh, you certainly have a decent tool set and uh, and certainly a, a, a fairly uh, good mechanical and technical aptitude. Uh, but do you have a preference? Would you prefer to swap it out or would you prefer to rebuild it? So it's really strange. It's, it's, it's kind of like what Wendy said. It's like um, <clears throat> there's things that I will uh, rebuild, uh, but there are things that I'll swap. Uh, on a daily driver, I like the idea of having something in there that is uh, new. I mean, I would rather have a new alternator than a rebuilt alternator. So I'd, I would rather spend a little extra money for a new alternator. Uh, the idea being it's going to last longer. I won't have this problem again for a long, a longer period of time. Uh, it, but at the same time, when it comes to working on my Jeep, uh, even if I have the means, the financial means, sometimes I just don't want to give those bastards you know, 800 bucks <laughs> or something that I can do myself mm -hmm. uh, that is not that difficult to do. And how dare you try to charge me that $800? I'm, I'm sure so true. I'm sure it's fair. It's in, a, it's in a book and they've come up with how many hours it takes. And it, it, that's just the price that you pay. And I almost feel like um, I, I'm just being lied to. And uh, it, it just makes me feel dirty. <laughs> if if I go to spend a bunch of money for something that I know I can do myself, I can yeah. I can buy two hundred dollars worth of parts and save in some cases uh, up to uh, twelve hundred dollars because it was going to be twelve hundred dollars in labor. Uh, that Honda, I don't know if you remember that Honda that I had to uh, fix for my yeah. my youngest and uh, Firestone quoted her like you know sixteen hundred dollars for everything needed to be changed on the front end i mean we're talking about a honda here it's toothpicks that you're changing out they're not wow. heavy they're small yeah <laughs> it's real easy to do and and i probably spent a good eight hours working on it but mm -hmm. uh you know it, it was it was just really easy i mean again it was like 400 bucks for for the front end parts and and swapped out the stuff and took it up there and one of them was uh, one of the firestone people was actually in a kind of a pissy mood because she took it back up there to get it uh to get, get the alignment the done and they had given her a quote you know <laughs> somebody was uh no, somebody no, no, was no, no i'm not here to spend that 1200 dollars. here's 89 bucks just don't yeah. make it turn yeah so this, for the thing i came in originally for 
uh, it's ready to be aligned now. And uh, <laughs> so that summer pool that you were going to put in, uh, no. Yeah. Not happening. No. Not so nope. much. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I can't imagine why anybody would think that at $800 Honda, somebody's going to spend $1,600 to have it, you know, uh, the parts put on it so it can be aligned. I mean, come on. So yeah. there you go. Anyway, so it's a mix for me. Uh, I, I don't like people uh, working on my stuff. Because, and I'll say this uh, over and over again, nobody cares much, as much about my Jeep uh, mm-hmm. as me or the Jeeps of my family. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I- I'm with you there. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, we do this each and every week. If you want to join in on this, uh, well, you can join the Campfire Side channel. you got to do is follow us on Facebook or uh, receive notifications via our newsletter. Uh, that's right. You can sign up to our newsletter. It's very easy to sign up. I just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You're going to find a link to click and sign up. It's just as easy to unsubscribe as it is to subscribe. Don't worry. We're not selling your information. It doesn't go anywhere. And in fact, all we do is send you literally one email a week, if that even sometimes. Uh, <laughs> and it's all just really the newsletter. That's it. Uh, I've got some good inside information for you. Uh, and of course, uh, I can't thank my, my co-hosts as well as all the listeners tonight around the Camp Fireside Chat in our Zoom room. My Zoom people, love you guys, and thank you so much for being a part of the show. Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to call in and interact with the show every so often. Don't worry, you can star 69 so Tony can't call you back. And as always, (laughs) thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep Podcast. Hi, laddie. Are you sure you ought to be sticking your Jeep into that mud hole there? It's apparently six feet deep. So I just want to I just want to mention something, uh, and I think this is uh, it, this may not have happened to you, Wendy, but I remember Josh and I would say, you know, it's it's hard to come and do this uh, every week. It's hard to you know stop what you're doing with the day, or maybe you've been busy the day, and you just don't want to. You just don't feel like going and getting in front of the microphone and and doing a show. Uh, but we would get in there and do it anyway, and then after we get started, we'd have fun and we were talking. Um, I my I don't know about you Josh and Wendy I don't and please chime in if you want to uh, I've I feel differently now uh, and I don't think it's because I've been beat down after doing it for ten years <laughs> I, I, I seriously believe it's because uh, the Zoom people are here something in the water <laughs> no, yeah. your wife lacing the water your tea is 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 you've got arsenic in it I seriously think it's the Zoom people being here because they take their time every week to show up here and it is just so fun having them interact with us here on the show wait hold, yeah, hold on wait wait you, get, you guys hear that it's nikki g screaming out what am i chopped <laughs> liver guys <laughs> <laughs> oh i wish nikki g could be here with us of course she works evening oh. but it, it means so much to me about being here every week because uh you're taking the time to be with us uh you know w- whether it's a voicemail or uh, joining the Zoom, uh, the Zoom people in the Zoom room meeting every week, and I just want to say thank you. It has made a That's huge scary. difference uh, to to how much excitement I have about you know on Thursdays. Like, oh, good, I get to get on the show and talk to these people. I mean, I know we have thousands of people listening to us, and we certainly appreciate that. But having that interaction is so refreshing and exciting. So, it is good. yeah. So, thank you. Podcasting since 2010.